0: If it's Friday, this must be Owen's Mill. I've been
1: coming to the studios of Maryland Public Television to do this program almost every Friday for the past quarter century. It began as a bit of moonlighting. I was already
0: a commentator for ABC News and continued as a full-time ABC political and
1: economic analyst for the next three years. Since then I've been out on my own the other six days of the week. Hi Kelly. Hey Lou. Owens Mills, which I like to think of as the financial nerve center of the universe, is actually a suburb northwest of Baltimore, and though I live hundreds of miles away, this building has become a sort of second home. I generally arrive in the early afternoon, and my first important job is to have lunch.
0: One day, Tony, the hardline will be broadcasting from three to seven inside the box garden at Legacy Hall. Okay. Immediately following that program, Will be the first ever Exclusive Dancing with the Stars Watching Party From 7 to 9 Hosted by Tony Tony the Engineer If you walk up to Tony the Engineer And say Da 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 Give me a number Between 1
1: and uh, 20
0: 16 Season 16
1: Who finished in second place, Tony? Uh, That was a Disney kid. Her name was Zendaya Coleman, and a lot of people thought she should have won. I really didn't. Kelly Pickler, I thought, was a little more well-rounded. Hot. Uh, Sports. There you go. Opinions. The P1s
2: have
3: demanded it, and it's finally happening. The biggest event in ticket history. The first official Dancing with the Stars watching party. Monday, October 8th from 7 to 9 p.m. from the Box Garden at Legacy
2: Hall. Hosted by the ticket's own Dancing with the Stars savant, Tony the Engineer. Right, Tony?
1: Dancing with the Stars. The hardline will
2: be broadcasting live from 3 to 7. Then, watch Dancing with the Stars inside the Box Garden with Tony. Dancing with the Stars. That's right, Tony. Huge prizes, dance lessons, trivia, and interactive games and you, the P1. Dancing with the Stars. Fox Garden at Legacy Hall. Dancing, Dancing, with, the Dancing with the Stars. October 8th. Dancing
1: with the Stars. Well, hi, everybody. Think that intro was long enough? Jeez. (laughs) This is the Ballroom Blitz. I am Tony the Engineer. Welcome back. Well, here we go. This is episode six of the Ballroom Blitz, and we will be covering week five of season 30 of Dancing with the Stars. That occurred on Monday, October 18th. Well, for those of you that know the show well, you know that week five means we are already at the half point way of the season. Uh... Boy, I tell you, it it goes fast. You know, in the old days, we used to have a spring and a fall show or season. And when one of those seasons was over, we had about a four-month wait until the next season started. And then you throw in a tour stop or a Derek and Julianne show or a Max and Val show. And Dancing with the Stars related stuff was like a year long. Well, now we're down to one show a calendar year. And when that show ends, you've got 10 months to wait for the next one. And when you're waiting 10 months for something and you only have 10 weeks to go, it goes by really quickly. So here we go into the second half of the season. Now tonight, um, we're going to have an extra long broadcast. And obviously, as a podcast, you can listen to as much or as little as you want. But we're going to have our regular run sheet. But we have a guest tonight on the Ballroom Blitz. Uh, took a lot of work to get him, but we have him, and we'll be, get to that in just a little bit. So um, I just didn't want to short the rest of the show, though. We've got our list of things, you know, our top 10, our look back at other seasons and ticket audio. So we're going to have those, and uh, we're also going to have the uh, interview and the guest, and it may take a lot longer than the normal hour, hour 15, whatever it is, I think. So obviously, again, you can scroll through it and listen to what you want. And if you like the interview, listen to only that. If you just like the regular show, listen to that. Um, That's one of the many neat things about a podcast. You can kind of listen to what you want, when you want. Okay, well, let's go to the show. Well, the show on Monday the 18th was Grease Night. And I think I've told you before, theme nights are not that great for me. Usually they don't move the needle one way or the other. And this was kind of the same thing. Uh, but I must say that the show went all out for Greece Night. Uh, the first thing that uh, I was surprised at is right off the top, they had a video message from Olivia Newton-John, of all people. Now, I'm sure everybody knows Greece. I must admit, I hadn't seen Greece the first time it was around. This was 1978. It came out, and you would have thought I would have seen it back then because I certainly was going to movies. But uh, the last time I saw Greece, or the first time, I guess, was about six, seven years ago. And we have a, a theater where we live in Grapevine that shows old movies. And I guess 1978 is now an old movie, unfortunately. Boy. But uh, that's the first time I saw it, and it was a sing-along, and it was a lot of fun. Now I actually go back and watch it every year. I don't really like the movie that much, but just the communal experience of singing along and seeing young John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John is a lot of fun. So Olivia Newton-John had uh, several video clips throughout the uh, show, and I thought that was really cool. And she is a big friend of the show. I believe it was season 21 where she was a guest judge one night. And I don't know if she lives here or has homes here in in Australia, but still just to come do our show that one season. And then to do this the other night, I thought was really cool. Uh, They had the actress that played Frenchie. I think her name is Dee Khan. She was on with a couple of the uh, contestants and their partner and giving them advice and talking about the show. Uh, They they showed the co-creator of the Grease franchise in the audience. And it was just a brief showing of him. He probably lives out there or something. I can't imagine why he would come to the show otherwise, just for a 30-second showing on TV. But the big hit of the night for me was Frankie Avalon. Frankie Avalon was live in the ballroom. I got to admit, I didn't even know Frankie was still with us. He's 81 years old, looked good, sounded good, and he sang live his uh, song from the movie, Beauty School Dropout. And I just thought that was a really cool touch, and it was nice to see him. The one thing that was kind of weird about it, I thought anyways, is that he finished his song, and he kind of came down to the, he was on the uh, staircase, and he came down to the main stage, and he had his mic there, and he kind of nodded his head, and everybody was applauding. So then they go to Tyra, and she says, how great was that? You know, it was not lip syncing, that was all Frankie himself. And then they go to Len, the head judge, and he was like, saying Frankie was his boyhood idol and, and uh, how great was that. And they finally took a camera panned out angle and Frankie's gone. <laughs> He's not there to receive the uh, thanks and adoration from the uh, people on the show. And I would have loved to hear him hear him say something, you know, great to be here, love the show, whatever it would be. But uh, it was cool that he was there. I just thought it was kind of strange that he uh, was shuffled off the way he was. But anyways, that was Grease Night. And uh, now let's get to the dances. So uh, we started off with Olivia, and Olivia did a foxtrot. Now, Olivia, to me, is just very good overall, and she continues to surprise. You know, she's not a trained dancer, and, you know, it's kind of weird circumstances that she's on the show, but hey, you know, we usually have a controversial person on the show every season, or they try to do it, I guess, for ratings and to get people interested. But uh, thankfully, they haven't talked about that at all other than the first night or two. And she's just continuing to grow into a fine young woman and a fine young dancer, it looks like. And I really like her partnership with Val. Uh, She's just got good everything, good technique, you know, good frame, good hold, good body contact. And she's very impressive. So she keeps on moving on. And uh, the judges gave her a score of 36. Don't know if I told you, but she did the foxtrot with uh, Val. Uh, Melora was up next. And they love Melora, especially Len. And don't get me wrong, I think she's great, and I love watching her too. And she's another surprise of the season for me. But they've been scoring her really high, and they did it again um, the other night. She did a Viennese waltz, got a score of 36. In fact, almost all the women got 36, four nines except a couple, which we'll get to. And as always, Melora is very good with technique. And the thing that I love about Melora is she has the added flair of being an actress, and she can put the character in the dance. You know, you have to be able to do the moves, of course, but she's pretty good with that technique, and she brings the characters to life in whatever she does, and there certainly were a lot of characters in the Grease movie theme that night. So another good part, another good acting of the part. I'm sorry, another good dance, another good acting of the part of the dance, and she scored a 36. Then we get to Iman, the basketball player. Uh, he did another. He did a es waltz also. And you know, that's a a traditional ballroom dance. So you're in hold and you can imagine the difficulty of being in hold with another person who's a foot and a half shorter than you. It is very pronounced when they're doing those ballroom dances. And unfortunately, you know, it didn't come across real real good, I'm afraid. Uh, He did a lot of, I think, dancing down towards his partner and hunching over. And of course that destroys the frame and it destroys the head back and the chest out of the ballroom dances. And I think Len and Bruno both mentioned that to him. And, uh, you know, I don't know what you can do about that. I know the judges said, well, you do what you do. You do the open and, and have the chest back and and the neck up and you let your partner come to you. She's a pro. She can handle it. And maybe that's the case, but it just kind of looks awkward when you have that kind of height difference. But, you know, it's great that he's there. He's given it his all, and that's nice to see. And again, I told you as a basketball player, he's doing a pretty good job. If he ever gets in the bottom two, the judges will send him home, especially Len. And uh, we'll just have to see how long he lasts. He might have a lot of basketball fans out there that are keeping him in it. He got four sevens for a score of 28. The Miz was up next, the WWE wrestler, and he did a jive, and we all know the jive is a full force, all out dance, a lot of kicks and flicks with the legs, and that's perfect for The Miz, that's exactly what his character is at WWE, he takes it to the hilt, he doesn't hold back, and as we've seen over the years, when you go that aggressive and you're not a real dancer, you're going to be a little off timing with your partner, or off time I guess you would say. Uh, Your steps get a little rushed and it just doesn't look as smooth as we would hope it would look. Having said that, we would prefer to see what he did, you know, have more enthusiasm than not enough. And I think the judges really like him and it appears the fans like him too. So he may hang around a little bit longer. He's got uh, four eights for the night for a total score of 32. Up next was Amanda. And of course, Amanda's solid every week. Uh, I thought she was a little overscored on her dance and, you know, her dance was to the song that Frankie sang. So Frankie Avalon was out there and he was singing his song. And I've heard from other people that sometimes when you have a live singer like that, even though they have live singers with the orchestra, but, you know, Frankie was there as a one off thing. When you have a live singer like that, there could be nuances in his voice and the way he delivers the song. They probably only had one or two rehearsals, if that. And I hear that it can be tough to dance to someone live like that, that maybe you haven't trained with very often. You know, the singers and orchestra there train with these people all the time, and they know how to keep it uniform. But uh, nothing really affects Amanda, I don't think. You know, it's a great technique dance, as always. Now, she doesn't have the flair, I don't think, of Melora as far as becoming an actor or actress and taking over the character of the dance. I haven't seen that yet. But it's hard to complain about her too much because... She's just good at whatever she does in dancing. And of course she should be because she's kind of a trained dancer. Now, um, again, I thought they overscored her. They gave her a 39. And I was really disappointed in Len because when Len was doing the critique, he started off and he said, you know, it was a dance, a fantastic dance, but he had a few things that he wasn't sure about. I think that you put that in quote, Mars. I think he said, wasn't sure about. And right away when he said that, I'm like, okay, he's going to give her a nine. And next thing you know, he's giving her a 10. So I don't know what that was all about. Um, I can't imagine her being in trouble on the judges or on the fan vote side. And who knows if this stuff really goes on. We've talked about it over the years. You know, do the producers say, well, this person needs help, so overscore them a little bit. Um, Not that she needs it. Again, she's a great dancer. But uh, Derek is the only one that didn't give her a 10. And Derek said he couldn't put his finger on it, but that something was missing that would have made it a 10. And boy, if the, if the professional dancer can't figure out what's missing, but something is, how am I supposed to figure out what's missing? And I couldn't, but I agree with him completely. There was something missing in her performance, and it has to be the performance side. It's not the technique side. And again, that's where being an actress probably helps Melora, and it's maybe holding back uh, Amanda a little bit. I don't know. But a 39, she's not going to go anywhere, and as a, her you know, continued good dancing will probably keep on a going. Up next was Suni, the gymnast. She did a Charleston, which is kind of an offbeat dance for the night compared to the other ballroom dances that were going on. Uh, Suni is coming out of her shell. She continues to get a little better. Uh, she admitted it in the video clip that they played before that, you know, she, she needed to have sass and an attitude to do this dance from Greece. And she really is not that person and doesn't have that. So it was tough for her, but again, she's trying and she's getting a little better, whether it's going to be enough to put her in the very upper echelon. I don't know because they gave her four nines for a 36 bunched with all the other women, but, uh, her technique's always good. And I expect her to still hang around a little bit too for a while. Um, Let's see. Up next was Jimmy. And of all the men, I think Jimmy's the best so far this season. Now, having said that, um, it's not the greatest thing in the world. The judges did give him two nines and two eights for a score of 34. Jimmy did a foxtrot. And again, his technique is good. One thing that I noticed last night that I hadn't really paid too much attention to, I probably need to go back and look at some of the shows. He was singing along with the song that was going on while he was dancing. And in years past, I know Carrie Ann and maybe even a couple of the others at one point or another had called people out for doing that because I guess it takes away from the performance a little bit, especially if you're doing a dance that requires a lot of facial expressions uh, or mouth movement, maybe next week at Halloween for sure. But if he's dancing along with the song, then you lose that character of the dance. Now, they didn't say anything about it, and maybe it's not that big a deal. But like I said, I've heard judges call people out on that before. So it'll be kind of interesting to see next week if uh, he continues to do that. Up next was Kenya Moore, the Real Housewife. She did a rumba. And for me, this was the dance of the night. Now, we know Amanda and JoJo are always going to be great. But Kenya's another one of those that surprises me a little bit. Now, we did hear in her video package that she did have dance lessons as a child. So I guess I'm not quite as impressed as I once was because now she's had some experience. Because she did a great rumba. Uh, she looked hot, hot, hot. A very sexy dance, I thought. And rumbas usually tend to be that way. But she's just looking so great and doing so well for a woman, a woman who's a little up there. And again, 50's not old. But we know, if you've watched this show over the years, the toll this show takes on your body. And I always go back to Jennifer Gray, who won her season. But there was a period during the season where her body was broken and her feet hurt, and she snapped at Derek and her partner. And they had a little rough spot. And there was times I'm wondering, is she going to make it through this? So Kenya's handling all that very well, it appears. And I just thought that rumble was great. And she got four nines for a 36. And that's much higher than she's been getting for the judges. So the judges saw it, too, that it was a good dance. Uh, Up next was JoJo, and JoJo is always good. We know that. She has a, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, a a range of emotions that I don't think an 18-year-old should have. Now, she's, again, a very trained dancer, and maybe she's developed that stuff along with the dance technique, but she's still impressing me at that level uh she does the thing that real dancers do and, and that could be whatever you want to call it you know you have po- you have to have power in a dance let's say but you have to do it still in a way that's graceful um you know you got to have the technique down of course but you have to have a way to make that artistic and uh the quick step you know you have to have quick feet and move through it pretty quickly but you have to look like you're not hurried or rushed while you're doing it. And all that is something that usually takes a while to develop and you usually see in an older person. So I can't remember what I say to week from week with these people, but I may be a broken record with her, but uh, super impressed with her range of ability at such a young, young age. And by the way, she did get the uh, – it was a foxtrot if I didn't mention it. She and Jenna got the first perfect score of the season, a perfect 40. Uh, I expect more from her in that area. And unless, I can't imagine, something really, really bad happens, she's going to be in the final for sure. Uh, Up next was Mel C., uh, the second to last of the dances for the night. She was dancing a quick step. And the only thing I remember about this was her video package before. And we've had discussions about this over the years. I don't know how the producers determine what video package they're using, but hers was very... I guess, negative, for lack of a better word. And I think it turns voters off and maybe even the judges. Now, the judges are supposed to be above that. But this was a package where she was talking about her self-doubt and self-confidence issues. And she was surprised because she's performed for people all their life. But she gets out on the dance floor and there's something missing. And then she said something that was heartbreaking to me because her partner has a past <laughs> with, other, with the other partners she's had, Gleb. She said she was upset a lot because Gleb seemed disappointed in her. Now, I don't know if she's being overly sensitive or if Gleb's not doing things or doing things he shouldn't be with their training because you don't want to hear that from a contestant that she feels disappointed or if she feels upset because Gleb was disappointed in her. Uh, now, I said this is not news. Gleb's been on the show for nine years. He's never had huge success with his partners. Granted, he hasn't had the best partners in the world, but he's had a couple really good partners, and he's never finished above fourth in a season. And, you know, he's a great dancer, he's a good-looking guy, but I wonder about his teaching technique sometime. And I said at the beginning of the season, I looked at Mel C as a possible dark horse candidate. And I gave you the caveat back then, but I'm worried about Gleb being her partner. And already, it seems like in week five, it's manifested itself. And I hated to see it. She went out and did a quick step that seemed a little subdued to me and a little understated and performed by someone that feels a little overwhelmed by everything. And I just feel bad about that. You know, Kenya Moore had a package where her grandmother died, but it was an uplifting package because she talked about how her grandmother wanted her when maybe her mother didn't or couldn't take care of her and how she was such a focal point in her life and and encouraged her to dance. And it was a very uplifting thing. And of course we all die, but I think that probably garnered a few votes where I'm afraid the male C package might have hurt her for a few votes. So let's go on to Cody, Cody uh, Rigsby, the Peloton guy, the last uh, dancer on Greece night. And I've been a little hard on Cody and it may be a little unfair because he has not danced as well as I think he should be dancing. And he had COVID. We know that. And they haven't trained a lot. But this guy is a trained dancer. He's worked with many musical artists. He's been in uh, the show uh, show business, I guess you would say. You know the uh, off Broadway stuff, maybe even Broadway. I don't know the depth of, of his training. But they even showed a clip of him. I, it might have been high school, but he was still in the in the production Greece. So he's an actor and a dancer and a performer. And I expect a lot out of him. And I don't even think he's been the best male so far this season. I would, I guess, give Jimmy the nod in that respect. But uh, I said last week he needed to step it up, and he really didn't. I didn't think. He danced a quick step, and they gave him four eights for a total of 32. So I think the judges didn't think it was that great either. And they all had uh, critiques for him. Uh, Bruno said he needed to work on the footwork. Carrie Ann said he needed to work on the hold. Uh, Len said he needed to work on the frame. And to me, this guy should know this stuff. He's a trained dancer at some level. And I know this is ballroom, and it's a little different, but... He should be better by now, I think, than he is. And so I'm going to give him one more week. Come on, Cody, come back next week. You have a whole nother week to train. And I want you to knock this out of the park. So that was all the dancers for the evening. On the judges scorecard, JoJo and Amanda at the top, 40 and 39. And then the next five women all had the same score of 36. This is one of my pet peeves of Dancing with the Stars. When you all have the same score like that, the judges aren't making a choice, and they're turning it 100% over to the fans. And we'll get to that in a minute. So anyways, the top seven of the dancers were all women on the judges' side. So what's that mean? The bottom four were all men. Iman, Cody, Ms. Jimmy. So you would think there's going to be at least one man in the bottom two. Probably two, but at least one. Well, no, the voting public spoke again, and all four of the men leapfrogged two of the women. Heck, they may have leapfrogged more of them, but we only know of two because those are the two that fell to the bottom two. So again, there's not much you can do about that. Two really good dancers were in the bottom two as all the females left are pretty good dancers. And it turned out to be Olivia Jade and Mel C in the bottom two. Now that's a little surprising to me because I thought Kenya would be in the bottom two again, not on her dance last night, but because the last two weeks she had been in the bottom two. And usually once you're in the bottom two, it's tough to get out of it. Now, she did have a much better dance, that rumba. I told you, for me, it was the dance of the night, and the judges loved it, and they got her higher score of the year from the judges. So just that added scoring from the judges obviously propped her up enough so that she wasn't in the bottom two. And that also tells you that since she was tied with Mel C and Olivia on the judges' side, she has more votes on the fan side, at least last week, than, uh, or this, this week, than Olivia and Mel C. Little surprising. Olivia doesn't surprise me that she doesn't have a big fan base, although she does have a lot of social media people, but they're probably not watching the show at that age. Uh, Mel C, I thought, would have a little more fan support, but Olivia and Mel C in the bottom two. So we go to the judges. As always, if the judges split, the first three judges, Len will make the final decision. And sure enough, uh, Derek went with Olivia to save. Mel, or I'm sorry, Carrie Ann went with Mel to save and Bruno went with Mel to save. So it left it up to Len, and Len decided to save Olivia. And Mel C, the Spice Girl, goes home for on grease Night. And again, I don't want to harp on it too much, but I think that video edit was not good for her. I think her partnership with Gleb obviously was not clicking. And it's a shame that the judges had to make this decision so early in the season because I think everyone agrees that Iman needs to go. And then you can argue about Cody and The Miz and Jimmy, I guess. But I would argue that all, all the women left are better dancers than the men. And uh, still, the voting public, which I think is still the older female that votes on this show, they always have an affinity for the men, and they got them out of the bottom uh, two there. So, C goes home during Grease Week. Okay, well, normally here we jump right into the uh, top ten list, but uh, we've got a very special guest here with us tonight. And I'm going to give you a hint if you don't know who it is. Now, most of the people listening to this podcast are probably ticket people. There may be the random Dancing with the Stars fan out there that has found this somewhat interesting and listens from week to week. If so, I love you and thank you. But you probably don't know who our guest is, and this probably won't help you any. But I'm going to play it anyways, because the people who are listening will know what this is. I grew up in Northern Indiana and heard this song all the time when I was growing up up there. But our guest loves Notre Dame and so all you people out there you probably know, it's TC Fleming and you guys have heard that name multiple times each week on the podcast because TC is the reason I'm doing the podcast. So if you don't like the podcast, get mad at me. If you do like it, say thank you to TC because without him this wouldn't be happening. He gave me encouragement. And I needed it. I didn't think I could do something like this. And I didn't know the undertaking of work involved. And so I was hesitant about it. But TC kept prodding me. And he says, hey, you're talking about something you love. You're going to be passionate about it. And it's going to come through. And even if you're not the best broadcaster in the world, I think people are going to like it. And like he said, also, um, it's probably good for my mental health. And it kind of is. It gives me time to focus even more on this show. Then I usually focus on it. So, uh, without further ado, here's TC Fleming.
2: Uh, thanks for having me. It's an <laughs> honor. I uh, I enjoy the show. I got caught up today, earlier today. So you watched it. So I'm a big listener. Well, I I watched one. Well, no, I watched it Monday night, but I, I listened to your your podcast. Uh, I finished oh. listening to uh, all the episodes you put out. Really? This afternoon. So I'm oh, ready what a- ready to talk the history of. Oh ballroom gosh. blitz ready to talk grease night anything you got
1: what a fun afternoon for you listen it's all my old podcast huh well
2: i mean i was mostly <laughs> caught up i just had the i hadn't had last week's
1: well, all righty so i had some homework for you you did watch the show i guess uh yeah I, uh, grease night start to finish so you watched it all. <laughs> <laughs> you watch it all every week. Why is that? Well, you know, if you've never seen it. First of all, Not I don't notable. even know if you know what Grease is. Have you seen the movie?
2: I I have seen the movie. Uh, I Do you remember? I was trying to recall the details, and I'm sure I could look it up on the internet easily enough. But when I was a kid, in like the late 90s, there was a time when there was some kind of revival around it. And they were playing the songs on KISS FM all the time. There was some kind of like, uh, you know, like it charted again. Yeah. Like, and uh, during that time, my parents like rented it or whatever, put it on. Okay. So I've seen it one time. It was, you know, from Blockbuster, Family Movie Night, something like that.
1: Yeah, this came out in 1978. I mean, you were just a gleam in your mother's eye. Yeah, I was yeah. born in 86. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, you know, that was my heyday. The late 70s. Okay. But, but I wasn't a movie kid, so I never saw Grease growing up. Really? Right. And Have I had, you seen it now? Yeah. And okay. the w- reason I've seen it now, there's a... Uh, so you could
2: get ready for Grease Well, Night? no. Oh.
1: <laughs> there's an old movie theater in downtown Grapevine, where I live, and they show old movies. Now, believe it or not, that's considered an old movie. You know, it's like, no, that's what I watch, but... I well, yeah, think of old was, movies like thirties and forties, nineteen thirties mean, and 40s. if
2: it was nearly a decade before I was born, I think it's all <laughs> I mean, different
1: perspectives. But the evolution of life and generations. Yeah. I think
2: about that with my kid all the time. Of like, you know, she's two, I'm thirty-four. Uh, the first thirty-two years of my life, she is going to regard as, you know whatever yeah. You're like you know all that stuff that happened before i was born it's a bunch of details i, I mean i kind of care but i get you know and and it's, they meant it's my lot. whole life
1: yes they meant a lot to yeah, you yeah
2: yeah it's everything i every <laughs> single thing i think was important before the day that she was born and she's you know like your own kid how are you going to get someone to care about more than your own child yeah so when i'm dead she's the number one person who's going to care about what happens <laughs> and she has no regard for the first 32 years yeah i guess that's life you know that's how
1: it works <laughs> yeah well anyways they show these old movies Is there every a god year. yeah oh boy we could get into all kinds of cool things there whenever you look you know whenever <laughs> you look at that you're left with the question <laughs> well they show this movie every year at the old movie theater in great mind so about okay. 10 or 12 years ago i thought i gotta go see this I had anticipated 12 years later of doing a podcast with you. And sure, so like, yeah, yeah. I gotta go see this. Gotta do well, prep. Yeah, and I don't know how much you go to movies. I don't go a lot, but this was a sing-along show where they have the <laughs> words. Okay. And I gotta tell you, there's something about being in a movie... House full of strangers, where you're all singing these silly songs. Did you know the words? I mean, I know they're up there, but were were you singing in your first time seeing it? Some of the basic words I knew of, like, hopelessly devoted to you because I loved Olivia Newton John, of course.
2: Okay. And that was her
1: own song. (laughs) That's an of course. Okay. Boy, she was. I don't know if you've seen some of her pictures in the early days. Uh, Ooh,
2: boy. I mean, I, I saw her on the show. Yeah, that's true.
1: Looked good for 73, didn't she? She's 73. I yeah, was impressed. Definitely. Yeah. More
2: attractive than most 73-year-olds, that's true.
1: But I did see it there, and then I had so much fun with the experience of it. The movie itself doesn't do a whole lot for me, but it's kind of fun. I go back every year. I saw it about five months ago when they did it, and I'm okay. singing along there. So I thought, having having seen that show— Everyone vaccinated? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't know about that. They were all uh <laughs> they were all masked. I know that, but I don't know about uh vaccinated. Of course when they're eating popcorn, they had to take it off, but Yeah, but just if you're all singing and everything. Yeah. It, and it was definitely limited seating. I don't know if that helps any. I'm sure it does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: <laughs> I saw one movie before the vaccines. I felt guilty about it, but I felt like I had to.
1: Oh, what movie was that if I could ask? Tenet. Oh, I, I would yeah, know. That's a Chris, current one. Christopher
2: Nolan makes a movie in IMAX. You got to see it in IMAX.
1: I never seen an IMAX movie either.
2: I mean, you know, there's whenever I was a kid, we would always go to the the science place had the big IMAX dome in uh-huh. Fair Park. And so I was brought up thinking that that was what IMAX was and also thinking that one day all movies would be like that. You ever been there? Uh-huh. The science place? But where is this now, Fair Park? Well, I mean, they they stopped having... Like, the the Perot, like, replaced it or whatever. I I think when they opened the Perot, I think they shut down the science place. But as as a kid, I was at the science place several times a year. Great, great kid activity. And just the... It was... It was, a, it was a dome where the, I more or less the whole dome was the screen. Like you kind of, like you, you're sitting back and like to see all of it. And like you're, you just visually can't see all of the screen all the time. You got to be kind of like looking around. It's, it was amazing. Uh, they would keep the theater like uh, super cold because they said there was something about how People would uh, get headaches because of how immersive the experience was, and wow. the coldness would help, like your brain not uh, have that reaction. Hmm. Um, and so that's what I thought IMAX was. And now they roll out this bullshit that's just like a slightly larger screen. <laughs> and uh, but but it, it is, I mean, it is larger. You know, uh, it's probably like double the size of a normal movie screen.
1: Have you been to the one at uh, is it Webb's Chapel on six thirty-five? Yeah, that's where I saw Tenet. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah and Does
2: I mean it, as far as like IMAX's go like this you know whatever we're calling it the like if we're calling that an IMAX uh I think that's a pretty good one I think that you know like there's many cities with much worse ones than that yeah um and it is it is cool like you know Christopher Nolan uh he always makes it a point to like because a lot of movies they'll in order to like sell more ticket or sell more expensive tickets they'll take stuff that's just a regular movie and then put it like upscale it and put it in the imax he shoots it with the imax cameras Ah. or like you know from start to finish the way you're intended to watch it is on this uh, this larger screen, and you know, visual effects
1: are cool. So sounds good. I do have to check that out. But I just heard you said something, so I want to change subjects just for a yeah, second. yeah, yeah. You said when you were a kid, did you grow up in Dallas? I don't even know.
2: I did. Well, I I was I was born uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we moved here um, when I was two. And ah, I've, I've lived here more or less continuously. A couple months intrusions here and there, but uh, yeah, I've lived here since I was two. We yeah. moved to Richardson, so I moved to Dallas in two
1: thousand nine. Okay. And, you know, most people that listen to this podcast of mine are probably ticket listeners, so they probably know you, but I keep thinking there might be a few random Dancing with the Stars fans that don't know know anything about us. I'm doing this mainly for them. Okay, well, good. So they know about my story with the ticket. I've told it the last four or five Mm -hmm, episodes, mm -hmm. and of course, TC worked at the ticket, but I don't know the story. How did you get there, and why did you go to work there?
2: Uh well you know I was a huge fan I think that's your story more or less your story too right yep. I just you know listened for a while really yep. really liked it um, I was uh, I was in college and I was listening and uh, they said they needed an intern and I applied I, I think that they had had a situation where the previous intern had like dropped out like right before he was supposed to start ah. so they were they were really hurting for anyone that they could possibly find. <laughs> um and that was that was with Bob and Dan and yeah. uh they you know they, they liked me enough and so they let me help their show for a while and um you know hung around and did enough of that and um you know just worked way up from there. What year Working did you time start time etc. Um two thousand
1: eight I think is the end of yeah yeah it was two thousand eight. Reason I was wondering is because me knowing you very well occurred in an event. I'm going to see if you remember this. We haven't talked beforehand. Oh, no. uh, Bob, Bad Radio, Bob and Dan were in the, well, I we call it the fishbowl. I don't know if it still is. It's that mm-hmm. thing at the ground level of the AAC. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. all our studios are up on fourth floor. Well, they were doing a show there. And back in the early days, you needed to have an engineer. I don't think they need one anymore. It's all self-service or whatever. And I think oh, you were do the remember intern. This.
2: Yeah, I absolutely remember this. Yeah, I was interning for the show that day.
1: You go to get lunch for them. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. 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 You uh, come back and give them their lunch. And I think you mentioned to me or them, because like, I heard about it, eh, a little worried about my car. You know, I better go back and check on it or something. Anyways, you go back and check on it at some point, and it's gone.
2: It's the end of the show. Was just it? like when it was time to go home. Goodness. I, I walk up and the car is gone.
1: Well, I'm, you know, packing up my stuff and you come in and I hear you talk to Bob and Dan. And if I remember right, Bob was gone in a second. He didn't really want to hear the story. He's <laughs> out the door.
2: Well, you know, it sounds tough.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, something like that. I uh, mean, you know,
2: he had a family to get home to course, and everything. I'm not. Of course. Uh, I, I just, I thank you for your help. I don't demand it of anyone else. Well, you
1: know? okay. But then I thought, well, Dan will take care of him because they went, he went and got their food. <laughs> Dan's like, see, you, bro, and I'm kind of looking around like, TC, uh, you need help. What are you going to do?
2: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that, <laughs> if Uber existed, I was not aware of it.
1: Yeah, like it I, was, I,
2: didn't know other options. You know, I mean, like the uh-huh. the place was not with <laughs> the word because it was. Uh, do you remember what day it was?
1: No, it was
2: New Year's Eve. Are you kidding? Oh, the <laughs> hockey
1: game was coming that. Yeah, that's why they were in the fish club. Yeah yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah
2: um they had the big dnye thing back then and uh so yeah they uh you know there's places where you can park during the day but whenever it gets to game time and i mean it wasn't game time you know i i don't remember what the details were exactly but like it it's not like the the sporting event had started or something but uh yeah it was one of those like uh the uh car wash i think it's a cvs now Mm -hmm. um and, like, you know, whenever I walked up, I was like, what do you – then the guy, like, you know, he was not helpful, but he was apologetic. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, he was like, oh, well, if I would known that, I wouldn't have called him. I'm like, what does that do for me? <laughs> um, but, yeah, 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 yeah. You. Well- I you thought, stepped
1: up. I looked at you and know, I'm like, I, I felt like he was a little lost child. I'm like, what? what's he going to do? Does he know what to do? Bob and Dan left. I did and, not
2: know what to do. I had no
1: I, idea what to do. So yeah, I think I said something about, well, can I help? Can I take you somewhere? And you're like, well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we jumped in my car because I didn't have a station vehicle then. It was just, mm-hmm. I don't think, I think it was our car, my car. I think
2: it was just your car. Yeah. yeah
1: and I think I said, well, where are we going? And you you either had an address or you thought you had an address and we're driving up north on central and i'm yeah, going yeah they
2: the guy told me like the guy who was sorry but unhelpful uh gave me an address or i think that he just gave me a phone number and i called the phone number i was like all right how do i get to you and they gave me an address that i i thought it was on 75 but it was 45
1: <laughs> yeah, because we're going up north 75. We get up around North Park. I'm like, I don't think there's anything up here, D.C., yeah, like a salvage yard. not yards. a lot of tow yards <laughs> yeah, tow yard. in that area. So we made it back down way south Dallas, and it was dark, and that explains it because the time changed. And mm-hmm. it was only like 5 or 6 o'clock by the time we got down there. But yeah, yeah. And then I guess you got your car and had to spend a ton of money, and I left you, and I thought, well, you were okay then, I guess, because...
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I made it home. Jeez. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a rough day. Well, that's, I appreciate your
1: help. Sure. That's how I got to know you a little bit, because, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. when your coworkers or someone, especially me, who's a remote tech and doesn't go to the station... I really don't get to know anybody very well, except for the few hours we're working together. And of course, you had your intern job, and I have my engineering job. And then I finally got to know you a little bit there. And and uh, here we are all these years later. Anyways, <laughs> so that was probably the late aughts, 2008, 2009 timeframe, if you were an intern then.
2: Yeah, I think that was New Year's Eve going into 2010. Wow. Because what I, I went from there to the house on Miller that Jake and I lived at uh and yeah yeah we so if i was there it would have been 2010
1: so did so the last day of
2: 2009
1: yeah you mentioned jake was he already an intern or an employee yeah did, yeah 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 did you check with him like hey is this a cool place to work or did you just know i want to work here
2: uh we were hired on the same day oh okay yeah well like the, for that. the part time like i i'd already been an intern um, and then I got hired part-time and he had been an intern, but like many years before. So I, I did like, they sent out the email and I saw the email, you know, like with my name saying I had been hired
1: right. and,
2: uh, that there was, you know, another name on it. And I was like, I, I don't know who that is. I'm excited to find out. And yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Per- whoops. <laughs> Quick project, uh, projection here forward what were your steps? Like you were an intern for a while. Then did you become a ticker guy or did you overnight board op or what, what happened? What was the sequential yeah, steps? The, the
2: board, I mean, you know, like the, the entry level position is, uh, the, to do overnight board op shift on the weekends. And then, you know, if you do well at that, they'll let you do, you know, slightly less overnight, you know, and then, then you can do actually during the day on the weekends. Um, then, uh, Jake or groups decided to leave the station and so jake became the afternoon board up and uh that opened up the top 10 spot and so i hosted the top 10 for several years uh then i got the opportunity in pensacola to be a program director and show host there at a station that uh you know went kaput within a couple months of me arriving <laughs> um and so then whenever i came back uh you know did some more part time stuff but then um another uh Person ceased to work at the station. So I that opened up a ticker slot that I then ah. filled.
1: Okay. And then when when did you leave or had enough or whatever? Uh May 2018. Okay. Yeah, time flies. So gosh, it's been three years now. And uh, things are going good in your current life or your current job? Yeah, man. Never been better. Okay. Uh, you know, I like it. <laughs> good deal. Good deal. Well, I just wanted to kind of get a little background on you there. So let's talk dancing with the stars. Okay. Okay. So you had never seen an episode before. That's correct. How could you miss 464 episodes of a show? uh I mean, surely there's a show <laughs> with 464 episodes that you've not seen. I'm sure, but it's just you know, it's like how could this be in my world? I, what you've never seen a show? So, okay. Very first, I'm not having. We haven't talked at all. Anything? What was? What would you say if someone came up to you now and said, like I'm doing? First reaction to the show. What did you think? Positive, negative? Just tell me what you think
2: yeah so um i mean i bottom line is i liked it it's a good show all right um you know i mean it's it's two hours and that's that's a lot of time and i feel very busy these days not so enough I, time not enough time two I, hours i don't know that uh i'll be watching it um <laughs> too much more but uh I, it's not like i didn't enjoy my two hours with it
1: let me ask you this what if there was like your favorite i don't know who you have if you have a favorite actress or actor of all time what if they were on the show would that make you watch it probably not oh boy. i don't even know that i have like a mm. favorite actor How about that guy you mentioned that does movies? Is is he cool or what? Christopher Nolan. Yeah, would he be that guy that does movies? I don't know him. You heard of Batman?
2: Like oh yeah, uh, yeah, he's a big director. Tony
1: Batman to me is uh, Hollywood nineteen sixties Adam West. Uh, That's my Batman. He's
2: Christopher Nolan's director. I I don't know that he'd be on there. I but like I don't know like. You know, if Christopher Nolan were directing a movie, I would want to see that. If you're (laughs)
1: dancing, I could take it or leave it. Okay. Well, I'm glad you thought of it was still a positive experience, even though you may not do it again.
2: Yeah, I mean, my my basic opinion on all these, like, uh, tentpole network things is that the people working on them are... Like, just as a definitional matter, the most talented people in our society, oh. like, you know, among the most talented, right? Like, the, these are incredibly difficult to get jobs that, you know, how many geniuses go to Hollywood every year trying to get something like that? Uh, so, it would be amazing to me if uh, they were not able to produce something that was entertaining. Like, that's what I think every time I watch The Bachelor uh that that's another. you know i would put that in the same category of like uh i think it's incredibly well done but it's two hours and i, yeah. I don't like you know that's
1: a lot of time like yeah. can you imagine two hours on a monday and a tuesday back in the day we had two shows a week
2: and you had that last week too i, I learned yeah disney to week yeah that was a special yeah. thing yeah that was so it was, it was every every single time it was monday and tuesday yeah.
1: monday night was the performance night they were then, just
2: out of ideas huh <laughs>
1: Well, you know, boy, don't get me started on what they were or weren't. I've got a lot of things to say about that kind of stuff. But for a fan, it was the greatest of all time. Yeah. Two I don't mean like
2: Dancing with the Stars is out of ideas. I just mean that ABC is like, you got five weekdays.
1: What are you going to do, ABC? Well, um, just repeat the same thing for four total hours in a week. You know what I would say? When you have a top 10 show... That's you okay. gotta ride it. You betcha. And they rode it for a long time, and it really didn't die its own way. It died because of neglect of their, on their part. But again, I don't want to get into that. Don't well, get me it's started. it's
2: not dead. It's, it's <laughs> still gone. I watched well, right. it
1: this week. You're right. It's not not dead, but it is. And I'll just say this, and you have no way of knowing this, and it wouldn't matter because it's probably not your cup of tea, but it, the show is a shell of its former self. That's, that's terrible to hear. Makes me really sad. But I still am entertained by it. And they're still trying to keep us older people here by keeping the judges and the pros in the I ballroom. I wish we'd
2: been able to have you do the podcast in, in the, the golden era.
1: I couldn't you have st- hearing myself. You,
2: hearing you talk every week, I, I love it. <laughs> I love the show very much. But just hearing you glum, like you can't go 15 minutes without being like, and we all know the, the disastrous season 27. Like, well, uh,
1: you remembered that even the season, huh? Well, absolutely. I oh listening to the show that is the armageddon uh, one
2: you know and like yeah bemoaning the fact that well you know we used to have two eliminations a week but now or whatever it was I and I, I
1: hate that i guess i'm too much of a negative person but the thing is is we i mean had, hey
2: if they killed your favorite show you know who's gonna
1: be happy about that we had I the just, goose that laid the golden egg and we quit feeding it and they just <laughs> neglected it you know and how did they neglect it well, again, this is not the place. Well, it is really, I guess. But I it's, want to talk with you. Start, okay, okay. I want to talk okay. with you. So let me ask you this. I know, okay, that's a like positive reaction. Is there anything that kind of stood out that you said, hey, I really like that? Or is is it just like, ah, it was okay, the whole thing?
2: Uh, it was more, it was okay, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I was surprised
1: that they didn't dance more. You know, that's interesting you say that. Because I on the podcast tonight, one of the positive was... They're dancing more. Okay. See, that's part of the problem they had. They started out in the old days; it was a minute forty-five dance. Mm-hmm. Slowly but surely, we got down to a minute dance, and it was yeah almost, every
2: dance. I'm like, I I don't know whether or not this person's good. I have not had a chance
1: to like even like it felt like they started just now. <laughs> so funny you mention that though, because I remember watching it Monday night. I'm thinking are these dances longer? Because I was like, this is great. This is okay. like the old days. <laughs> and sure enough, I started timing. They were all about a minute and a half. And I don't know what's gotten into them. But see, that's a positive move in my book. So yeah, no, I hope I, to keep it up.
2: I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here to see some dancing. I want get, to get an idea whether or not these people are good at dancing. I feel like in the time I was given, I, I had a hard time doing
1: that. You and I could run that show. <laughs> I think we could. They would be back to glory days. But uh, anyway, okay. She's too competitive an environment, though. <laughs> was there anything that you watch and you're like, oh, this is awful, or this is hokey, or man, why is this in here? Or again, is it just kind of... Fucking
2: all... anything I'm on Shumpert did, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know what the story is there. Do you not like the guy?
2: I, I like him personally just fine. I just thought he was a terrible dancer. I know <laughs> that you've had positive things to say about him, which makes me think that the other basketball players okay. must have been dead.
1: You have another homework assignment if you really don't like it, Iman. <laughs> Go back and look at some of Clyde Drexler's dances. <laughs> well, he's as, like seventy. Now, when he was on the show, you know, he was on the show in season four. Okay, and I don't know. You're right. He wasn't 31 and in prime shape. But yeah, I think in the greatest, one of the greatest ever, you know, uh, basketball players. He's going to have quick feet. He's going to have rhythm. He's going to be able to move. And it was atrocious.
2: It is stunning to me because if mm. you would have asked me before, like, because you, you, I, I learned from you, and I mean, I knew that uh, Emmett and Jerry. Had Done well, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you, you said football players do do well. If you had asked me, like, is there a difference between the. I mean, like, obviously, Emmett Smith is much shorter than Amon Shumpert, Yeah. But I just would have thought that both of them are. In the top 1% of people in just making their body do what they want it to do. Yeah. Like their their athleticism is, you know, I mean, just to play in the NBA, you have to be so coordinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I just would have thought that basketball players were great dancers and then then I had to watch them
1: yeah. and uh, learn the otherwise. The only thing I would say, and I was going to say this in the critique tonight, uh, you know, he's a foot and a half taller than his partner. Mm-hmm. And when you do these ballroom dances, those have to be in hold, I think, Key to Davini's waltz, I'd have to go back and look. but And when you're in hold and you're a foot and a half taller, the natural tendency is you're going to hunch down to yeah. reach your partner. And I don't know if you remember. I but, think Len said that. Yeah, one of the judges said. Yeah, yeah one of
2: them did. Don't do was that. it Len
1: or Bruno? I think it was Bruno, but okay. again, I'm not sure either. But he was like, be yourself, open up, get the neck up, and then Daniela, the pro, will figure out how to do that. So it, it's hard for me to come down on him because he's not a dancer. He's an NBA player. And he's just got such a handicap with the height difference that you know I he's not long for the world. If he ever gets in the bottom two, they'll send him home. But yeah,
2: he just uh, beyond like you know all that stuff. That's fine. I mean, I guess on some level, um, probably I'm I'm interpreting that on an intuitive level like i could never tell you what's bad about his dancing well it's he's hunched over but like surely that scans in some way like it registers in some way but he he just seemed so mechanical there was no fluidity uh listen to you you yeah i i don't know man (laughs) i i it was it was ugly to watch okay well well,
1: nothing about the show then let's get off personalities right now. yeah no um I'm trying to remember. It's There's like nothing... something slow, like, come on, let's move it on. Oh, that's goofy. Nothing like that comes to mind, really? No, I mean, they, they,
2: they keep it moving constantly. They don't do yeah. anything for too long. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, that's that's another thing. Just whatever those shows are trying to be entertaining, one of the things I think they really tap into is just constantly stimulating, like, the your, your base of your brain, you know, with the cut, 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 yeah. like, to a different thing. Um. So yeah, no, no, nothing dragged. I mean, they're they're great about that. You know that that kind of stuff. It is entertaining. Yeah. Um, like the constant, you know, motion and action.
1: I wish you would have seen it before when Tom Bergeron was the host because it's a totally different feel with Tyra. Okay. And again, I would say it's an. I hate to say, you know, I don't want to bang her, bang on her because everybody does, but it's an inferior. Yeah, I product. didn't think she was great. But it, she
2: wasn't. She didn't ruin it for me or anything. Yeah, and
1: she was actually. I would. I want to say tone down from her. What a lot of people would say is mm-hmm. her irritability. Irritabilityness is that a word? Um, she she tends to talk in loud shouts a lot, like Oprah used to do at mm-hmm. the end of her shows. She gets real staccato in her. Like when you text something, it's one two three four, and it's small stuff, but it's kind of irritating stuff. And when it keeps going over and over, I think it just turns more and more people off. But she is trying to tone it down, I think. I don't know if someone got to her and said, hey, you know, we need to we see all the negative comments. Can you try to do this a little different? Yeah. But, you know, she is an executive producer, so I'm assuming she has pretty big power on the show. But So it's not going to change. She's not going to change, I don't think. She is what she is. And that's yeah, okay. well, I
2: mean, you're saying she's changing some already, right? Yeah,
1: but in general, the old crew that watches this show, um, it's just they can't get Tom off the mine. And, you know, he's long gone. It's in his, his review mirror. They'll never go back to that. But every every season it's just the tweets. Bring Tom and Aaron back. And I'm like, that's such a broken record. And I want it too, but I don't want to hear that anymore because it's not going to happen. But You think uh, they might go to someone other than Tyra? That's a great question. And you know, I'd love to see her contract. If you become the executive producer, she's probably got something in there that says, I have to do a lot of bad stuff to be let go. I don't know how that would work, you know.
2: I mean, they got the Jeopardy guy out. Oh, okay. Uh, he, was, he was an executive producer. <laughs> his name? Producer. I thought. Is that
1: a bad joke? Mike Richards, I think. <laughs> yes. Well, did he do some really bad stuff? Uh, it's I, I don't in know. In the what eye he did. of the beholder, in my opinion. There you go. I don't even much. know what he did. Yeah, I didn't pay too much attention. But uh, yeah, it, it's certainly possible. And again, I think it's he a ratings thing. He had a podcast.
2: Thing. That's basically the story. <laughs> oh, really? You can be fired for
1: having a podcast oh, these days. What a We're in, in a trouble country. now. I know it, Looks dude. Out. But um, you know, I assume it's all ratings-driven, like everything in this world. And, you know, we're not doing well this season. It's down, over last season, we're down 22%. And, you know, there's a normal drop every year for most shows. It's between uh, 5 to 15, depending on the show, if it's a newer show or older show. And that's what Dancing with the Stars did every year. It would drop 7 to 10%, along with the voice. So,
2: I'm always amazed at your ratings knowledge. Uh, Just like, not only just that you know the numbers, but that you also can contextualize them. I find that very impressive. Do you pick that up? Like just reading about the show, or did you already know that going in, you're just generally interested in how TV works? Where, where does this base of knowledge come from? It's
1: specifically the show. Okay. You know, I've loved this show for so long, and I knew we had again, I hate to say this, but the goose had laid the golden egg. I said, You don't know how rare this is. This show's been going for years and years and years. It still draws 15 million people. Sure, we lose you know a few every year just again i always compared it to the voice because it was always them and the voice in the number mm-hmm. one reality show you know survivor and all the what is it the uh, big brother all these other things they're all good but they didn't have the numbers that the voice and dancing with the stars did they were top 10 shows Now, of course you're going way back idol of course ruled the roost but once yeah. that was gone the voice and dancing with the stars kind of took over do they not do american idol anymore well, oh boy! Don't get me started on that. That was did part of the beginning be big, of the end of this show.
2: Did you used to be a big fan of American Idol. No, no. okay,
1: okay. And I really hate it now because does it hurt Dancing with the Stars season twenty six. Everybody, you've, you've heard me talk about the Armageddon of season twenty seven. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It all started in season twenty six, <laughs> and no one wants to recognize it. <laughs> no one wants to recognize it. And that was ABC's well, executives that did I'm it. I'm willing to recognize it. They prostituted Dancing with the Stars. They He's had prop up. Yes. And wow. I can give you down the list of here's what they did. Here's what they did. Here's what they did. And I remember I had a call into our sister station, The Wolf, back, uh-huh. Uh-huh. back in the day. And I still have that because I'm like, I know this is going to happen. Please, somebody do something. And you may have heard no I, wrote a, I wrote a letter to ABC.
3: <laughs> I did not know you wrote, I wrote a, a four page letter. Really,
1: all the, the guys at the station loved that and they really <laughs> tore that apart. I love but, it. Yeah. I had a four page letter and I'm like, here's what you got to do. And that took a lot. I don't do that. I don't write companies. I don't do stuff uh-huh, like that. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't even know where I was going. But yeah, they just propped up American Idol, uh, the reboot of it. And long story, but real quickly, it started with the money. Mm-hmm. They paid they paid Ka- Katy Perry thirty million to be a judge. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the budget is of Dancing with the Stars, but I'm sure it's not that for everything. And then they paid Lionel, and then they paid. You don't think it's thirty million for everything? I don't know. I, I don't. Know. I really true. don't know. I, I I shouldn't have said like that. Like
2: thirty million. I mean, I don't know that Tyra's getting that, but like th- plenty of TV, like you know. Well,
1: the rumors, and it's all rumors.
2: You don't. Letterman know, got the,
1: that when he went to CBS. A the rumors the was Tom got a million a year, million and a half. Oh year. wow! Uh, okay. The rumors was the dancers got five thousand dollars an episode. You know, it's it's petty cash compared to thirty million a year for one person. So again, I don't know. We I mean, to don't talk want to, to the union. I don't want to talk out of my head here because I don't know what anybody really makes. Hell, I don't know what we made it, other guys make at the station, you know, but you got an idea of I'll probably tell you. what it is. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, how do we get off onto this? Geez, you get me going. But yeah, uh, American Idol reboot was really the start of the downfall of this. Oh, I've, back to the wolf thing. I called into the wolf and they said, well, and this was the end of season 26, the mm-hmm. disastrous season 26, again, that no one talks about. Uh, they said well what are you what are you looking for next year you know was the last show and i said first and foremost the ratings they lost a ton of people in 26 they have to get that back mm-hmm. and here's what they have to do to get it back and of course what did they do
2: the opposite no
1: actually oh. nothing they just did nothing they said all the energy went to to uh idol and they just let this thing die when they had a, a cannon blast thrown at them in season 26 i'm like they can fix this but I'm going to be watching this real closely is what I was telling them. And sure enough, they didn't. And then.
2: Yeah. And you never know, like, is it that, uh, you know, whatever executive views this as his territory, like uh, he, you know, stole a country club time from another executive. And (laughs) so, you know, yeah, this, this stuff, it's, uh, it's hard to understand.
1: Yeah. But then of course that, that season 26, again, lockstep. Uh, the voice dancing with stars we go down the same amount mm-hmm. we're blood brothers you know we're still both top 10 shows still go down about the same amount that season they go down dancing with star goes down 25 percent. voice goes down its usual seven percent that started the whole thing mm. and they haven't recovered from it mm. how did we get started talking about this you're gonna have to edit all this out i'm not editing any of it out Oh no. <laughs> you've got total control here okay it's your podcast you can do what you want (laughs) how about any uh, do you have any questions or anything like why are we doing this or why did they do that Uh, anything you just want to comment on that you know you really thought was great or didn't think was great
2: i have a lot of questions oh okay um the opening number we start off with uh, the greece is the word song who are all those people
1: Great question. That's a very good question. Thank you. Because I was actually <laughs> thinking about myself. Um, what the what the show used to have uh-huh. and they no longer have it is what they called a troupe, and it okay. was a group of pro dancers that hadn't made the big leagues yet. They weren't on the show. They were the understudies and. Almost all the understudies would start there and then become pros. So mm-hmm. when they became pros, you knew them. It's like, oh, there's Whitney. You know, she was an understudy for three or four years. Well, now they don't really have a troupe, but they have these two young new people that are kind of there as the troupe. So those other people in there, I'm like, who is that? Now, what they will do as the season goes on is the pros that have been eliminated, like the first week Britt was eliminated with Martin Cove, she was in there. And then I saw Pasha. He was eliminated the next week. So as the pros get eliminated, they go do that kind of work. But you're right. There was still a lot of other people that I didn't know who they were, and they didn't tell us. So that was confusing to me, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I would say it was one of the more enjoyable numbers. You know, started off the show great. Uh, cool to see people dancing. Um, but, yeah, just like I was like, are, are these the stars? What am, I, what am I looking at here? There you go. Good question. No. Um, so – I, my only dancing experience is uh, my mom would just get it in her head, ideas sometimes. I don't know where they came from. Like, I just, I I don't even really know how to describe it. Of like, she'd be like, you know what? The kids need character. And this random thing that someone else told me about is definitely character. Uh, Like, she had this calendar for a while. Like we just have to do stuff that was on the calendar. Like uh, the the big one was uh, one time it said to uh, read the Red Badge of Courage, and and she she thought that the kids needed some character, but not an entire book's worth. So she rented the movie. Okay, Uh, it sucks. (laughs) And um, one of one of these like big like I know I will I will make them into to real men now was uh, cotillion, and like she's not a fucking cotillion person she's from Hmm. illinois they don't have that up there like uh i don't know anyone else who ever went to get like it was me and my friend so maybe it was his mom's fault i don't know i don't know about that because they sprung it on us very suddenly Hmm. it was like get in the car we're going to cotillion um and uh you know are you familiar with cotillion i mean you're you're also from the midwest yeah not not. really
1: but you have to dress up for that and look a certain way at
2: the end you do yeah yeah but like they're all like they're you you go to weeks of classes to like train you for the big you know cotillion night dinner thing okay um and so you can just wear regular clothes to the 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 stuff in between then but, like, it's, it's all supposed to be, like, you know, teaching you how. Like, I, I think that they thought that it was, like, you know, which, which fork to use and that kind of stuff. You know, how to have manners. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It's just a scam. They just want your money. <laughs> and so the guy who taught it uh, was old guy, t- terrifying looking, uh, pure orange hair. Um, and just uh, it would just teach the Foxtrot. Like, just every like, uh, the whole time that we were there we were just uh he was just going over the foxtrot and uh so i i thought based on that experience i do recall like you know what 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 he was saying um so whenever they come out there and they they're like uh now dancing the foxtrot and it just didn't resemble the thing i thought so i don't know what what's going
1: on there what what is a foxtrot tony i thought it was just like the four steps in the square oh boy yeah, I'm not an expert on the dance moves themselves. That's why we have judges. Like there are Sure, certain, sure. There are certain dances that have certain moves. That's what makes that that dance. You mm-hmm. know, like there's a, something called the samba or samba. Mm-hmm. And there's things called voltas and botafogos. Now, you can go to YouTube and they'll show you how to do them. And it's moving their legs real fast and they're kind of crisscrossing. And I can't do any of that stuff. But when I'm watching the samba... Those better be in there, or Len, the head judge, is going to be really upset. Mm -hmm. So same thing with the fox shot. I'm sure there's types of moves in there that have names that the judges are looking for. Now, Carrie Ann and Bruno, they're much more, okay, they didn't have all the content, but it looked beautiful, and they did what they did great. That's why I'm so glad Len's still there, because he'll call them out. I'm not. You don't like Len? I got a whole thing, but oh, sorry, okay. keep going. Anyways, yeah, I'm no expert on the dances, so I can't tell you much about a Foxtrot, Except obviously, there's two kinds of main dances. They're all ballroom dances, but they really split them out into ballroom and Latin. Ballroom are the more in hold with the neck back, and you know posture and frame sure, is real sure, important. Sure. Yeah, the yeah. Latins are much more side by side and freestyling. Uh, so you still have to do certain moves in those, mm-hmm. but it's not so much the elegant formal in hold things like ballroom dancing is. And the foxtrot is one of the ballroom dances. Foxtrot, quick step, sure. waltz, tango, and then you go over the Latin side, and you got the uh, cha cha and the samba and the rumba, and you know you get familiar with them. And I can tell them apart when I'm watching them. Okay. But like when they do something in the foxtrot that's different than the quick step, well, that makes that a foxtrot, but I don't know what you call it. Okay, and I wish I really wish they would have, and no one would like this, but I really wish Len would have like a little lesson every every show and says, "Okay, here's the moves of the fox." Maybe
2: just like a separate thing, you know, little one-off, like uh, put it on the YouTube channel. They
1: tried it last year a little bit when they had COVID because he couldn't travel from the UK, and he would introduce, "Here's the Paso." Doble. I mean, we need to keep them all out, anyways. What's that? The British people. Oh, jeez. Okay, we're keeping this to dancing. So let's move on. What's the next question? If you have
2: one, <laughs> uh, I was like, like yeah, you know, we got Amanda Klutz on, right? And I, I got no idea who the hell that is. So my question is, how often? Like, are you? Because you're, you know, you're a big fan of the show. And and whenever I hear you talking about it on the on the podcast, you appear to have some level of familiarity with these people. Is it whenever the lineups get announced, you go and familiarize yourself? Or are you the kind of person where you're like tapped in, you're like, oh yeah, Amanda
1: Klutz? No. Okay. I hardly knew anybody this season. Okay. Heck, I didn't okay. even know the NBA guy. That yeah, shows well, how little I followed the NBA, I guess. I thought I knew a lot of the players. I never heard of this guy.
2: I mean, what would you need to do, Tony? Huh? He was he was on a team that came down 3-1 against the all-time wins leader to win the championship. Is that Cleveland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was I'm pretty sure he was on that
1: team. Was he a starter? I think he was a starter. I guess I didn't watch that. I mean he wasn't, closely. you
2: know, he wasn't Kyrie, and he wasn't LeBron, but I know
1: those guys. Well, yeah. Anyways, I'm just saying no. I get I got over that a long time ago. In the early part of the show's history, that was an attraction. Like the very first season, I knew every contestant. And that was interesting because I I think I told the guys this once, you know, if they ever have a Dancing with the Stars Dallas and it's all radio media types on Mm -hmm. the show, I will love that because I'm familiar with all the radio types, you know. Sure. But if it's just Dancing with the Stars Dallas, I don't know, construction workers, I won't know any of them. So it wouldn't be as interesting now. That's the way it was in the beginning of the show. I liked knowing everybody, but year by year by year, it's like, okay, I know half the cast this year. Okay, I know 30%. I've given that up a long time ago. And that's another old tired argument on social media. I don't know anybody. This should be Dancing with the Wannabes and well, all this stuff. Well, how many famous stuff. people are there, folks? Well, and and Tom Cruise is not going to do Dancing with the Stars. You know, yeah, know, He should exactly. buy the show. Like, he doesn't have to. We're
2: on season whatever. 30. 30.
1: What do you mean yeah. whatever? Good
2: God. <laughs> no, I, I said 30 um, We're on season 30, like, yeah, there's, there's what, uh, average of like 12 each year, like, Very good. You know, how many, how many people do we think that are willing to, yeah, I mean, it's a
1: pretty serious commitment. Well, they've had 351 contestants on the show.
2: Yeah, so. And that's a that's lot of
1: stars the, or celebrities or whatever absolutely.
2: you want to Absolutely. So it was, you know, the. That that the three hundred and fifty second most famous person who's willing to go through this grueling process is anyone you know, is impressive enough to me.
1: But Amanda Klutz, as you mentioned, no clue. So what I do is I do a real quick Wikipedia thing, and I find out I guess she's on the talk, which is a talk show on TV. You're
2: gonna have to yeah, you're gonna have to explain yeah. to me what that is. But I also found out <laughs> I know what it
1: is. It's funny you brought up Amanda Klutz because this was a huge bone of contention. Back in season twenty four, they had someone named Heather Morris, which is basically Amanda Klutz. Mm-hmm. and you know you may people get upset when you have uh, gymnasts and ice skaters because they have dancing ability and whatever, but their their profession says gymnast. If you looked at Heather Morris and really Amanda Clutes, their profession will say dancer, and we have to have uh, a line. Megan
2: and I, had, my wife was watching with me, and we we had this argument. I I was I was on the side of. Uh, it's a show with dancing in the title, How Can You Be Surprised There Are Dancers? But it sounds like more people bought
1: into her argument than I had previously. Well, it, yeah. And it, again, it's all about where do you draw the line in anything in life? You know, uh, speeding. You know, I think 55 is too fast. What? No, I think 75 is good. We have to have a cutoff somewhere.
2: Yeah, just this idea that, like, you know, her point is like that uh, it's not fair, you know, like that you got it's a dancing competition against someone who's been dancing their yeah. entire life. And I'm like, this, I, this illusion you have that anything could be fair is right. foolish to me. Well, and then uh, that's you know, been like that I, everyone has genetic differences and you know, the create differences in ability that, like, we're all just gonna have to sort out. And, you know, I mean, like, the entire idea of competition is silly in itself in yeah. some ways.
1: Should should Shaq not have been allowed to play because he was so big and dominant over exactly. every other person? Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. But again, I guess you would say where do you draw the line? What if there's a ten foot human? Do we say he can't play in the NBA? I don't know. I would let him play. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's he's to probably each his not going to be that good. Um, but you know, like I said, Amanda Klutz could have dancer as her profession. She was on Broadway. She's taken lessons her whole life, and you can tell the first dance out. No, wow! I look at her move. Mm. You didn't like her dance? I
2: don't know man hmm. I because I, I, I they the judges were pretty happy about it they
1: were a little too happy I, agree. I was
2: I was surprised by that because I, I I mean you know in, in try I, I don't have the ability that you do to uh, to pick out you know exactly what I like and don't like um, but I was I was guessing like maybe just I didn't think the choreography was like because I I think that they were probably happy that she was executing the things she was trying to do well. Whereas I just I just didn't think there was any like spark or creativity that's, in what she was doing.
1: I think that's very observant of you. Thank that, you. That is a part of what this show is and about. And I mean,
2: that's kinda of, that's it's the the uh, pro dancers, that's his fault, right? Like he's the one choosing the choreography.
1: Yeah, if you don't like that, it's probably their fault. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, um,
2: so maybe maybe the judge, I was just trying to figure out why the judges and I saw things so yeah. differently. Did
1: you? I don't know if you noticed Derek was the one judge that didn't give her a 10. And his critique was I appreciated Derek for that. But even yeah. nine, in my opinion, was way too high. Okay. But, but he said, and I, I thought it was really telling what he said. It basically said, I don't know what's missing, but something's missing that I can't give you a 10. And I'm like, wow, if a professional can't decide what's missing, how are you and I going to figure it out? But I agreed completely. And it bothered me with Len. I don't know if you remember his critique. In his critique, he said, "Uh, there's a few things I was wondering about and right away i'm like okay well that's a 9 for sure then cuz he was wondering about some things that she was doing mm-hmm. and then he gives her a 10 so it's i don't know, i don't know what's going on there
2: yeah no they, they seem to think that she was in the upper ech- echelon and i i just I, I don't know wasn't seeing that really the whole night
1: no i don't i didn't think i mean i just i thought it was kind of a boring performance yeah well boring's different than is it done properly
2: yeah i mean you know and i just can't really i can i can tell you whether or not i'm bored i can't tell you whether or not they're executing technically yeah. in an impressive way I they loved know.
1: her leg work i don't know if you saw one of those moves she did with her leg and and the normal person couldn't do that a dancer can so there's mm-hmm. the advantage again of having that in the background sure yeah but, and i Yeah. Uh, i don't hold that against her i just yep. you know i didn't yeah okay Next, do you have any more? <laughs> uh,
2: I have. I have. I have one more question. Okay, um, and then you know I've mean, got a lot, got lots of points I'd, I'd like to make.
1: And sure, would love it.
2: Um, but uh, my last question was, um, what was I? I have it written down here somewhere else. Uh, is Kenya the name of Kenya Moore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kenya. She. I. I thought that she did dance really well and deserved the the scores that she got, um, but she i knew from the show and from listening to you that she was in the final two the week prior uh so whatever they did the i i found her story about her grandmother to be incredibly moving and authentic um you know that she she had the whole thing about uh you know, the, the, the character in Greece that she was playing was someone who was dealing with a teenage pregnancy and her mother had her as a teenager and she was just thinking and, you know, was thinking about giving up her up for adoption, but her, her uh, paternal grandmother said, you know, no, I will raise that child. And she, was, she got very emotional thinking about how excited her grandma would be to see her here now, which is, you know, just, it was, it was a high point of the show. It was just very, you know, very uh, genuine emotion. Um, But the cynical part of my brain after I was done enjoying and processing that was wondering if some part of what's going on here is her or one of the producers or someone trying to make an entertaining product is saying, hey, you're obviously kind of on the cutting line. There's an audience voting component. If you could do something that would make them like you, that'd probably be good. Do you think that that goes on, or do you think that that's being too cynical and that uh, that, that actually she's
1: just uh, telling a real story about a grandma? Well, first of all, let me say that your in-depth analysis of this fascinates me. I'm very impressed. Thank you for watching the show that closely. Well, thank you. To, oh, of course, man. I swear to God, I am really blown away that you remember the, the story about her grandmother and everything. Well, yeah, it was just
2: two days ago. I watched it all. Well, but, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely.
1: I'll, I'll accept the compliment. <laughs> wow. Anyways, that's a very great question, too, because that's one of those things that's always on the minds of the whatever you want to call it, naysayers or doubters or people that talk badly about the show. Do they do the... They call them video edits, I think. I don't know. I call them that. Do they do these video edits to pump up someone who needs it or to slap someone down or something that really doesn't need it It's doing too well but they went off the show does that really happen i have no inside knowledge so i really don't know i would love to know if that happens
2: i bet it Um, happens some i just i wonder if that one you know like like i think that uh, like what's the producer's job except to steer it you know mm Yeah. Like that that's what they wake up every day trying to do is, is there's theory. no
1: doubt in my mind there are contestants that they want to see last longer than others. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, I do think there's edits maybe that are more positive or negative. In a the opposite ex- example from that show, and you may remember this, was the edit for video edit from for Mel C. Did you see that when she was crying and she was having stage fright basically and she's self doubting herself? That was an incredibly negative edit. Or video, whatever you want to call it, and I'm thinking that's awful for her. She's going to be in trouble tonight, and of course, we know the end result. We do, but, we do. But uh, travesty, in my opinion. Yeah, does that stuff happen? Obviously, it happens. Is it you intentional? That was, see, I, don't I thought not
2: that, that was like uh, also trying to garner sympathy. Like if you're showing someone on camera crying, I, I, you know, the human emotion to be like. <sighs> oh, it's not bad. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll do good. There,
1: there's varying degrees of emotion about crying. Like you just mentioned, Kenya. Uh-huh. I agree completely. To me, that moved me, and that made me feel sorry for her to want to help her. Not that I don't like Mel C, but when I saw that, it was more of a weakness. Like, wait a minute, you've been in front of audiences your whole life, yeah, and no, now you have Yeah, real a, doubt. It was surprising. To me, that was a negative thing. Even, it would garner more negative reactions than positive, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But uh, there's a long story there, too, with her partner, Gleb. Gleb, uh, I, said I
2: couldn't believe his name's Gleb.
1: Yeah, Gleb. <laughs> who,
2: who names her kid Gleb? You've never
1: heard you of Gleb bring a, before? Bring a baby home from the hospital. You Gleb? didn't consider that one for your
2: offspring? No. We, <laughs> didn't, even, we didn't think they're Gleb. Not even the middle name? <laughs> what, what country is Gleb from? He's Where from, is it normal to Russia. call
1: people Gleb? Gleb's from Russia. Uh, the thing is, uh, Gleb has a track history on this show, and I don't want to bag on Gleb, but he's a great I dancer. Will. He's a great dancer. Gleb. <laughs> but I said this in one of the podcasts, one of the early episodes. I said, hey, I think Mel C is going to be a dar horse. And why That makes me look stupid now. I think she's got talent. She knows how to entertain. She's going to talk to Mel B, who was on the show all those years mm-hmm, ago and had mm-hmm. great success. Then I said, but the caveat is, She's got Gleb as a partner. Can't overcome Gleb. Gleb is notorious for very lackluster choreography. Very, and I, I hate to say this, it's going to be on the podcast tonight, but all the Russian slash Eastern European pros, in my opinion, they have a strict way of coaching it's and cultural teaching. differences. Yeah, and if you don't do it their way, number one, they get an attitude, and number two it's basically my way or the highway it's Jimmy Johnson the asthma fields over here I don't want to hear that this is I what could you not need believe
2: the uh, archival clip you played a couple weeks ago of the guy like of like I don't know how to dance I teach people how to dance every day yeah, like the the guy that got mad and Tony wanted... Dovalani <laughs>
1: yeah that was amazing very impressed you remember that too yeah he quit the I'm like I remember watching that vividly I think I said it on the podcast I, I watch these shows alone usually you know and I'm like I need someone to talk. Did he just say quit? What's that mean? Does, <laughs> yeah. does he quit in the show? Is he quitting her? The episode? And I don't know if you remember what he said. He goes, "No one's ever questioned me. I teach teachers how to how to teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one's ever questioned my techniques. And I'm like, dude, not celebrities, especially. Not everyone's going to take that well. That's not a way to. Teach I would take it well. I know. And I don't know if you watched that whole thing with Gleb and her, but when she's there crying on the floor, I'm like, Gleb, reach down pick her up, hug her, and say, you're fantastic, we're going to make this work. Give her some emotional support. I think he reached his arm out, barely had to move, and touched her hand, but I'm like, no. And uh, her dance wasn't inspired. I don't know what you thought of it. They, I think they overscored it. They gave her a 36, but it's not her it, fault.
2: I didn't think it was remotely possible that anyone other than Amon would be voted off the
1: show. Well, there's the fan vote for you, and that's a whole other thing kettle of fish to talk about
2: i you know maybe i was poisoned against the fans already because of listening to your show but i i hate the fans
1: (laughs) well there you go
2: the fact that olivia was in the bottom two olivia was one of the most talented dancers on the show like she she turned in one of the, the like i would put her in the upper like you know jojo was really good she was really good I don't know if I'm leaving out anyone else. you remember
1: her? The gymnast. Sunni,
2: yeah, and it seemed like that she was doing better than uh, than she had done in previous dances,
1: and I, I thought that hers was great. What do you think of Melora, the older lady? And I hate to say older, but she's fifty four, the oldest woman on the in the show this year. What do you think of her?
2: Um, I mean, you know, I just separate from the show. I like her. I like the character Jan. Uh, she, I'm pretty sure, came up to the studio. While the yeah. office was on to be interviewed Dan on, uh, told on me bad that. radio, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was cool. I was there for that. That you know, that is I've always cool. had. And she was, she was. Yeah, you know, I mean, most people that come up to the studio are. It's it's really cool and they're nice and that she would definitely fit that
1: description. I'm so impressed with her dance. And I, again, I hate bringing keep bringing up. Yeah, I age. thought she's good. But this is a grueling physical demand on these people. Mm-hmm. we're talking five, six, seven, eight hours a day, every day, and you get hurt. You get nagging injuries, and at fifty-four, she's out there just killing it. I'm so impressed with her. She's like one of the surprises of the season for me. Yeah, Len
2: seems to agree with you.
1: Yeah, Len loves her. Yeah, yeah. There is no doubt. Very astute. Did you notice that? But he does. Yes. Boy, we need to co-host this podcast. You need to start watching the show with me, (laughs) TC. You're adding all kind of good insight that I forget about. Um, Oh, so so uh,
2: Olivia, I had the this isn't the show question. Um, this is just a general question. And like, I, like I said, I, I was, I thought her performance was great. Um, but, uh, she, uh, I wondered if she would be there if not for the terrible things that her parents did. Well, of course not. That's why she's there. That's crazy. We know that. Yeah. Like your parents pay for you to get into a school. And so the country is like. This is terrible and what we should do in response is have you on the show for famous people so we can praise your dancing.
1: Well, if you've watched the show over the years, you know that's part of the blueprint. They want to have a controversial in quote Marks person every year if they can. And we could go down the list. Sean Spicer, Paula dean um, you know, going way back. Uh, Bristol Palin was very controversial. Um, Tom DeLay, the congressman that was in trouble, for, indicted for all kinds uh-huh. of things, he was on there, and there was big controversy there. Oh, Ryan Lochte, my gosh. you know the, So they want the controversial person on there, and you know we, we got into it a little bit the very first episode, I think. That's kind of why Tom was let go. He didn't like the idea of having a controversial person on right after that awful presidential mess we had, election, whatever you want to call it. And, of course, what do they do? They get one of the most polarizing people on the show— and he kind of let it be known um, through Twitter that he wasn't happy with it. Very respectful. I didn't think it was worth getting fired for. But you Dude, can't say that about the bosses, I guess. Yeah,
2: those EPs have such big egos. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like, you know, it hurts them. Like I mean, who knows, actually, how much Tom being let go has an effect on the ratings. I think it's really hard to figure out what factors into ratings. Yeah. Um, and the, the
1: the decline had started before that. That's what I was saying. Okay. Season twenty six yeah. and twenty seven. Yeah,
2: yeah. So you know, who knows how much it actually hurt him? But yeah. it doesn't. you yeah, know, I mean, it sounds
1: like the hardcore fans are not a fan of the move, right? And you know, last year uh, the whole thing was to get a younger demographic in here. And yeah, uh, <laughs> so they got fucking
2: Tyra Banks. Well, I
1: guess that's younger than Tom. She's twenty years younger than him, I think, or something. She's maybe not, not maybe yeah, not even that much. Like the, the, no one who's under the age of thirty knows who Tyra Banks okay. is. Well, I, I think that was what they were trying to do, and it worked last year. Last year, they were up 10% in the younger demographic, but they've since pretty much lost it all. Like, when so. she
2: was young, and she was involved with basketball players, and, you know, fuck it, Jason kids a coach now. Like, to find, <laughs> like after, like, one of the longer careers, you know, like, it's just—the I, I, it's the idea that I know how we'll get young people— Tyra
1: Banks. Yeah. That's crazy to me. You know, they didn't come out and specifically say that, but there is no doubt in their wording, it made it sound like it's time for a change. We yeah. Need, we need to get younger, younger at that Tom, position. But you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're trying. if you're trying to get young people, you know, like I'm sure Cardi B accepts checks. Like
1: Well, and you know, the thing is too, they're they're trying to do they're trying to please everyone. They're trying to have the best of both worlds, and in life that rarely happens. They want to keep this old core group of people that they have on this show, and then they want to bring in the younger people. So to bring in the younger people, they have to chip away at that old show that everyone loves. And of course, when you do that, you start losing the older folks. But from the voting that's going on this season, I would say that it's still a hardcore older group of people that are voting because these voting patterns are very similar to the old days where they treat the men much more easily and the women much more harshly.
2: Yeah, one thing I didn't know um, until I got married, and uh, you know, just got to like hear uh, you know more like uh, direct insight into the mind of my, my wife is uh, there is nothing that women hate more than other women. It's an absolute truth, Tony.
1: The Hang Zone guy said that the other day, <laughs> and I think there is some truth into that. They they simply despise them. <laughs> You, and to it, watch the the voting public. Well, uh, you said you listened to my uh, podcast, the uh-huh. previous ones. I don't know if you remember. I did a top 10 of the most overrated dancers, and then uh-huh. I did one of the most underrated. The most overrated was almost all men. Yeah, the yeah. The most underrated was all women. And that wasn't me just putting this together to back that up. This is a fact. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess women, yeah, they're tough on other women. Boy, they need to help each other. That's what I think. Oh.
2: Um, yeah, so... Uh, another comment about Olivia um, and then she said this and then one of the other later uh, contestants blew past her and, and what I'm here to say is both of them are liars there's no way she's seen Grease 45 times <laughs> you know how many times 45 times is you need to see it 5 times a year for 9 years you, Like, have, when's the last time you saw one movie 5 times a year I was, was year? just
1: trying to think if I've seen my, my, my favorite movie and I What's think your I favorite have movie? Back to the Future I think I've seen it 45 times I really do, but and how
2: much older are you than Olivia J? Well, that's
1: a great point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's a. You need to watch
2: it once a week for yeah. a year.
1: Now to see it forty-five times. They have it I mean, on like to. what you know DVD and stuff, don't you? You can watch it. All I'm you sure want. she
2: owned a copy of it. I'm sure she's seen it many times, but she said forty-five, and then like I said, one of the other people—I don't remember which one it was—said they'd seen it hundreds of times. Well, that's that clearly
1: a lie. That, of course, is yeah. Yeah. But, uh, they were saying it for effect. fact. Get off that. I guess so, but
2: whatever. Uh, hundreds, I think that they, I think that it's understood by everyone saying it and hearing it that hundreds is an exaggeration. Oh. Forty-five is like a pretty specific number well, that I don't think is true.
1: You know what? I, I, I'm, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt because you just talked about her age and she's so young. Look at me and Dancing with the Stars. I hadn't started going to this show in earnest until season nineteen, mm-hmm. and if you count the tour stops, which you can't, I know but if you count those i'm at 49 right now times and that's only very impressive that's only since the year 20
2: yeah but each one of those is different it's the same movie every time she puts it in how entertaining can you be by that
1: man if you love it i don't know you know that movie house in grapevine every year they show back to the future i'm there every year i come out and look at the delorean that they have and i every year
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I've seen Back to the Future a lot, but, like, by a lot, I mean, like, ten times. Okay. I think seeing one movie ten times is, like, pretty remarkable. Yeah,
1: but the age thing is a great point, her being so young. You're right, I'm old, so, of course, I've seen Back to the Future that many times, but she doesn't have Yeah, I bet you've seen Back to the Future 45 times.
2: You have? No, no, you. I I think so. Like I said, I've probably seen it, like, I might have seen it, like, 15 times. yeah. There was a time when I was a kid that I, I was watching it on a pretty regular basis. Yeah.
1: Now, let's get really off the topic, just for a second, to prove how people can be different than you about mm-hmm. certain things. Sure, sure. I travel a lot, and before COVID, I would look for things to do to go to travel to. Mm-hmm. One of the things is we have a midnight movie theater here in town. I don't know if it is now, but it's the Inwood.
2: Oh, yeah, I used to go to the Inwood, midnight movies. They show
1: midnight movies, and uh-huh. I go to see midnight movies still, even at this advanced stage. Well... I was looking for things to do, and I'm like, "Well, Mark Cuban owns this, I think, and he used to own Landmark Theaters. I don't know if he still does." Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm going to go to every Landmark theater in the United States that shows midnight movies." Oh, wow! So I started researching, and at the time I was doing this, there were 13 Landmark movie theaters in the U.S. that showed midnight movies. And so, which midnight movie did I go to at every one of these landmarks? Amazing. Oh, I mean, I assume it's Back, back to the, to the, the Future. future. Yeah, yeah. So when I went to the esquire I in just denver just colorado the room 50 times no that's a scary one isn't it?
2: no i i, I don't know i i just it's what they're always showing right? so
1: anyways i'm looking at the esquire in denver every week back to the future book the flight so i fly to denver back to the future in indianapolis keystone square i booked the flight so hell i've seen back to the future five times just on those landmark movies and then COVID hit and i i couldn't go anymore sure sure, sure. so and then i probably seen it five times at least in grapevine um and there's 10 and I've, I've seen it i don't know how many times on tv and i think you count those don't you oh yeah 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 so there you go i, I believe the 45 it is a little weird coming from a 22 year old i think she is i mean it's a lot
2: 45's yeah. a lot that's i i think that in general people whenever they're trying to say how many times they've seen a movie to emphasize they like it yeah I think the number they give is usually a lot.
1: Okay, if you want because my it's,
2: it's it's it takes a lot. It's a long like it's a several hour commitment. Like seeing a movie ten times, like you spent twenty hours, like nearly a day, a full day of your life watching this movie if you've seen it ten times. But ten just doesn't sound impressive like everyone's like, "Yeah, I can do anything Whew. ten times. Like it's just one of those things. Yeah. I think it tricks. So, okay, how the brain my works. official
1: ruling is I'm calling bogus on the person that said hundreds. But I'm saying Olivia's right. It's She's poss- seen it 45 times.
2: It's possible. <laughs> um, hmm, what do I got? Do you, do you have any other... I, I've got more notes, but I just I want to make sure I'm not hogging. Do you Did you have other no, questions? No, I'm just
1: so impressed with what you've done and, and remember about it that I'm going to ask you something that I wasn't thinking of asking you because I didn't think it was a fair question. Okay. But just from what little you've seen, and you've seen it very intently, it appears... If someone came to you tomorrow and said, hey, TC, move out to LA, you're running the show. You're running season 31 next year. Can you think of anything this quickly, knowing what little you know, that you would change or do differently or add or take away?
2: Well, first of all, I would love that. How great would that be? Live in Los Angeles, run Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yeah. All the parties you can go to, tell people, what do you do? I've run Dancing with the Stars. Heard of it? Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I you know, the, the thing I said already, like I would do more dancing. Okay. Love um, that. You know, I do you think that do you think that they could change the guest list up? I mean, this is hard. It's hard to second guess people because all these jobs are so complicated. Like the job of running dancing the stars is extremely complicated and I could never guess what constraints they're working under. But if people are worried about the uh, the quality of guests, I would I would be interested in what the compensation for the I know that you know you know what the the stars that appear on the show get paid, but has that changed significantly through the years? And would it change? Like you know, if you said like I'm gonna triple, you know what we're paying these people every week, like what kind of guest pool could you get that? I mean, that's a pretty easy, you know.
1: In any situation, I recommend that if you want to make something better, pay more money. Right. And, you know, I, I think we're to the point with this show, unfortunately, where Idol still has the bulk of their reality show money. Katy Payne still making 30. Who knows? She might have increases now. Mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Seacrest gets a ton. Lionel Richie. Who's the other guy? The country guy. The money that I think that they made that first season was $60 million just with those four people. And you can't compete with that. I mean, I don't think abcs they've already short-thrift Dancing with the Stars in lots of ways. I don't think there's an option to do that. I love the idea you know, could you get? And I don't know who an A-list actor would be, but could you get? <laughs> you couldn't get a Meryl Streep to do it, I don't think, no matter what the money is. But could you get and the next level want, down? You know, I mean, she's uh, probably not a great dancer at this point. Well, isn't that what we want? We want to teach people how to dance.
2: Well, no, I'm just—I want to teach people who are have like a strong athletic ability how okay. to dance. I doubt that that's Meryl Streep's forte at this point. I mean, she can do a lot of things. So I'll do respect, but...
1: Yeah, but as far as the money goes, I don't think that's an option. I like the idea, but as far as I know, they had to publish the numbers when um, Sean Johnson won because she was a minor, and then when Bindi was a, won when she was a minor.
2: Okay. And there okay. was
1: 13 seasons apart, and there was no increase. They were still paying the same Interesting. amount. Interesting. So
2: I don't think they're paying them anymore. See, so yeah, that doesn't sound like... It. I, w- I would certainly push for that. Yep. You know, I'd have some meetings about that. Um...
1: Anything? Nothing really. Do they ever you do off. stuff
2: on location?
1: They'll do numbers, like pre-recorded uh, dance numbers, on location. And I take that back. There's a place where they at it. CBS Television Studios is where they they. Uh, do it even though it's an what, abc show yeah i okay. know was right. so funny the first
2: year i went out i guess it's like produced by cbs and they sold it to
1: i assume they just rent space you know they got a nice ballroom there i'm assuming okay. they. but it's funny that when i went out there one of my first times i took a picture of the line and i tweeted it out and some guy called me on it right away and he goes he's bs and us he's not there this is an abc show he's at cbs well, I was there. It just Look it up, dude. Yeah. But uh, shows that shows what you know. <laughs> but right next to it is a place called The Grove. It's a real upscale entertainment district. I'm with, familiar with The Grove. Are you? I mean, high, I've never been there by now. High level shops, high level restaurants. And then sometimes they will do. Uh, I love
2: Los Angeles. What a
1: place. They will do. You said about uh, different scenes. They will do scenes over at the Grove. So okay, okay, especially during finales, uh, Christmas time because it's so decorated. Fact, yeah, just, of, you
2: know, I, I, I'd be interested in. Ta- I know that they do like the traveling tour or whatever. But uh, you know, like uh, do an episode from like Pike's Place Market or something. Interesting. Wouldn't that be fun?
1: It's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. You know, they certainly do Disneyland a lot with vignettes, oh, no show doubt. video things, yeah. but they don't really do the show from there. Well, I think a sure. full show from Disney disney world or land would be good yeah i don't know how what it takes you know production-wise what kind of studio do you need lighting and you know all the computers and music and i don't know might be too expensive to do that even
2: being a big travel guy with uh you know some somewhat idiosyncratic travel preferences uh do, do you have any uh disneyland or world uh have you been there?
1: Been to Disney World in Florida. Okay. Visited the animal kingdom there one year. You know, I'm okay. an animal guy, so I yeah, had to yeah, see that. Sure. Oh my gosh, my mouth was salivating because they have just money coming out of their pockets, you know, and mm-hmm. they have big enclosures for African elephants. It's Elephants are so expensive to keep and take care of. They've got multiple elephants there. How can you do it? Well, you're Disney, you've got tons of money rolling Yeah. In. So that was wonderful. Um, I think I've been to Disneyland once, but it was a long time ago, and I don't remember much about it, so okay. it really didn't have too much of an effect yeah. on me.
2: Yeah, um, Yeah. so I uh, back to the Amon thing, uh, just going through my notes here. I could not believe, uh, this is also back to the point about the audience is terrible. I guess that it must just be custom that whenever the judge says something bad, everyone boos
1: yeah it's almost a bit now I think with them uh, they encourage you to boo when I've been out to the show many many times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're like you know don't boo the celebrities or the outcome of what who gets eliminated or who stays on but feel free to boo the judges okay. it, it's in, I don't want to say encourage but it kind of is they like yeah. yeah we don't mind that at all they just I mean, if want, they tell you you can then it they is just want in its own way yeah
2: yeah so I, I just I don't know I, I didn't I didn't like that. Okay. I just these people. Lord knows, Amon needs the help, and they're they're not like ripping him down. They're not coaching him in a way that's uh, like demeaning. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're telling him some things he needs to improve, and if we all, as an audience, as a group, as a viewership
1: group, want to see the best from Amon, someone needs to tell him these yeah. things. And you know what's happening this year. A lot of the uh, well, all the other contestants and their partners are sitting right across from the judges on the mm-hmm, first floor. Mm-hmm. The audience is really limited this year, so a lot of the boos are coming from the celebrities and or uh, pros. Ooh, that's a fun. You'll see angle. the judges sometimes look over like, "Hey, that's Sasha booing you, or that's Emma booing you." Uh, <laughs> so.
2: so yeah, I I had like I said, I hadn't seen the show before. The only the only thing I've seen, I think, is uh, the clips of you. Next to Tom <laughs> Bergeron, and I couldn't even tell where that would be. Like they must Memorable have day. changed things considerably in response to COVID, I assume.
1: Uh, the ballroom, ballroom looks a little different, but it's just on the ballroom floor. And that night, they had like raised platforms out there, mm-hmm. and Tom was certainly standing on that because I was lower than him. If you saw me in the yeah, background, yeah, yeah. but no, yeah. I was just standing on the regular ballroom dance floor. It was it was quite a night. I'll never forget that night. That was the Ryan Lochte incident night. I was there for that, of course. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I think I mentioned this story on the podcast. I got tickets to go to that. This is when tickets were really hard to get from a ticket P1. A listener at the station went through the effort of turning in their email and answering it and getting tickets for me. And they didn't want anything in return. I mean, what a sweet thing to have the P1s do that. And then I had a guy in North Carolina do the same thing. A dude. That's awesome. And uh, so, yeah, and I never would have been at that show without P1 Ruth, if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast. Thanks again. (laughs) What great people. I wrote it down. It was
2: Jimmy that said he had seen it hundreds of times. I'm going back through my notes. He he said he had seen Grease hundreds of times. So Jimmy's a liar. (laughs) Everyone needs to know that. Uh, Good dancer, I thought. So harsh tonight. I thought, oh, I thought he was a good dancer.
1: Oh, no doubt. Keep, in that. fact, you know, uh, I think he's the best male so far this season overall.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't know about his dancing. Um, I know that you you talked up uh, what what slot Cody was supposed to be in. I yeah. thought that Cody personally was a garbage person. I thought he was very annoying. I guess you already told me I was being <laughs> negative and I'm, I'm continuing with that. But I, I, like some of these, opinions.
1: I like some of these people, but uh, not that Cody. Well, I try not to do that in the podcast because I don't want to turn people off. And, you know, we all have favorites and non-favorites. I have been kind of harsh on Cody because I don't think he's living up to his potential yet. Even though he had Cody COVID,
2: fans need to know that I'm not one of them. Well, okay.
1: But he's I'm had okay COVID, with turning you know. them off. Maybe he's had lingering issues, but he has to step it up this Does week.
2: Does COVID make your personality suck?
1: <laughs> I hear it makes you... Wear out quicker, and you have lingering issues, and I don't know. Stuff Stuff can happen.
2: But. I, not, like I said, I'm not like – yeah, every time you're always saying, it's nothing personal against the guy. <laughs> I'm only talking about personal against the guy. This is not evaluation of his dancing. Well,
1: you make a good point because voters vote on personality a lot. And if it's sure. if he's rubbing people the wrong way like he is you, that means less votes for him. But I think he's got so many followers with Peloton and Instagram. And
2: I probably have different tastes and preferences than, you know, the uh, – yeah sixty five year old probably. resident of the Indianapolis suburbs that represents the median
1: voter here. Very astute of you. you're probably yeah, right. Yeah. yes. yes,
2: yes. Um, well, I've got some notes about Greece I wanted to share with you. Okay. Um, I don't
1: know too much about it, but I have seen it now three or four times in the last five years. so
2: So I uh, I, I like I said, thought it was a boring enough movie and most of these songs I was not really captivated by. And uh, their the rendition here, I, I did not feel was sufficiently faithful to the original, but that's because I, uh, what I'm saying here is I have a very high opinion of the original. Um, I Think You're the One That I Want is uh, one of the best songs that's ever been written in the history of man. Wow. I, I think is just as far as like uh, trying to craft a pop song and, you know, just make something that's catchy, gets the people going. I think that in human history, we've rarely done better than that. Um, Dang. And uh the thing that there's there's a lot of elements that I like. I actually don't like the chorus that much, but uh, but everything else is great. Um and the uh the bass line is exceptional. It's it's a really notable instance in musical history of a bass line being fairly prominent. It's really driving the song and like you can hear it. It's up in the mix. Like it's it's louder than the guitar, I think. Um and uh so I I'd always wondered uh who is it that does that bass line? and so wow. i i went and googled uh who plays bass on uh on, on you're the one that i want and found one of the greatest forum fights that i've ever seen are you a big fan of forums i don't know what that is what's a like forum? an internet forum you know like uh reddit's the big one
1: i'm but very anti social media stuff i don't know anything about any of it
2: see i would i mean i i guess you know if if your heyday was 1978 then then maybe you missed it but like uh i i would like Forums were like social media for people who were, you know, way before social media. Like
1: I knew the penthouse forum when you wrote the letter and said, (laughs) I never thought it would happen to me. That's a
2: different deal. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
1: Um,
2: But I mean, like like, forums are not super in use now. I mean, I guess they're probably, but anyways, uh, getting off down a rabbit trail there. No need for it. Um, But, uh, you know, it's just. Like, I would bet that the Dancing with the Stars forums are, are a place that you would really enjoy. You know, it's just for, for people who are, like, big fans of something. Yeah. Um, so, if, if you don't know forum culture, then maybe you won't enjoy this as much as I do. But there, there's – human behavior tends to slot into certain grooves, you know. And there's uh, there's just a way that people commonly act on – like, you know, every forum is a different large group of people. So you would think, you know, we're all different, we're all special snowflakes, and uh, no one's, you know, no, no two are the are the same. Uh, but in fact, you know, our behavior in, in groups like this are often exactly the same, uh, and it's it's just interesting if if you read a lot of forums, the kind of shared characteristics and that sort of thing. And there's a certain kind of one-upsmanship and I know more than you mm-hmm. kind of thing that, that can pervade sometimes. And so you'll, you'll get like heated arguments over the dumbest stuff. The, yep. the archetypal example is there was an argument on a, uh, a workout forum about how many days there are in a week. Okay. People were just Seems going odd. back and forth, real heated. Uh, you know,
1: one side believed that it was one thing, another side believed it was another, and neither thought the other side was right. Yeah. You know, it's probably good I'm not involved with that because you may be right. There's very few people in my world – that I've been able to get into an argument about Dancing with the Stars with because, and I'm not saying I know a lot, but they don't know enough to even I have a valid a argument, lot. in my opinion. But I'll run into people out there in line, mm-hmm. and occasionally I'm like, well, how could you think that? And I can see where that could escalate not to get into mad, you know, mad at each other, but at the same time, well, that's a ridiculous opinion or whatever. So it's probably good I'm not on it because I do, I guess, have some hot sports opinions when it comes to Dancing with the Stars stuff. But I mean, maybe you'd like it. That's the other reason, you know, the guys at the station had always said, okay, you're the, you're the biggest expert in the world. And I've always downplayed that because partly for what you just said, I don't do any social media. I don't have any inside info. I just sit and watch the show and then watch the YouTube videos. I mean, what else do you need to do? But I don't have the the talk, like you're saying, these forums go back and forth. And I could probably learn a lot. And I could probably, hey, you're not always right about things because I forgot about this point that someone brought up.
2: You know, I always see that kind of stuff as a double-edged sword because what the way that you are approaching the show insulates you from groupthink. You know, like you're not just adopting it. Like y- maybe you could be the most, uh, you know, the the foremost thinker on Dancing with the Stars because everyone else is just following this blob of, you know, uh, what mm. other people think about the show. Whereas you're, you're you're getting it pure, you know, you're just watching and thinking your thoughts and that's all you got going on.
1: Well, you did give me some, what I thought was really good advice when I was anticipating if I were thinking about doing this, you know, you needed to push me a little bit. I don't know if you recognize my <laughs> hesitancy, but, um, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, oh my God, when we decided to do it, I'm like, I got to go and see if there's other podcasts about Dancing with the Stars. I got to see what they're saying, and I got to do that. And you, I don't remember verbatim, but you basically said... Eh, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, you know? same kind of point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got your ideas, and you you know it's going to be your podcast. You don't need to be comparing yourself to other people. And I haven't done it because of what you said. And I think you're right. I'm not worrying about am I as good as that podcast? I'm just doing what I'm doing, and if it's not good, it's not good, but it's mine. So yeah,
2: if the goal is to imitate their podcast as as much as you can, then yeah, you should listen to their podcast. But I don't think that's the goal.
1: Yeah, that's you know? a very good point, and I yeah I took it to heart and. I feel pretty good about this whole thing, you know. I know I'm not an expert broadcaster, but I'm getting to talk about this show I like. And when you told me they can't cancel me because I have no listeners, I was like, "Sign (laughs) me up! I'm ready. I can just keep talking it, and no one cares. That's great. That
2: was was very freeing. When I (laughs) want (laughs) to let you know that Apple doesn't cancel people. (laughs) That's what Um, I thought. So, but yeah. So, uh, so I'm I'm, I go to this forum. Uh, Here's the first post. I heard this song on the radio again, talking about you're the one that I want. The other day, and the bass work just killed me. I hear you, brother. Who did it, and do they have any other work on the record that I could check out? It's great. Also, any info on equipment used. Sounds to me like a jazz bass, possibly with flatwounds. Played with a pick and recorded direct, but I could be wrong. Thanks. Huh. So that's the kind of stuff where, I should say, this is the talkbass.com.
1: I was going to ask you, are you serious about all this? You really love that song and de- de- 100%. deep-dived into this? I, how wow. else would I find this? I thought, is this an elaborate bit that you're doing to, to get me to, to dive in and say, oh, this is really great? But no, 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 no.
2: I love this song. You wow. can ask my wife. I listen to it over and over. I think it's a great song. And I think the bass
1: line is really interesting. Wow. Um, so we got uh let me go well for someone that likes that song then you weren't too happy with the cover they did the other night
2: i mean it's fine it's just like i guess i guess what i'm saying is that i think that what one of the things i really like about it is the particular way they recorded it like that you know the the one that's on that you always hear and so like any kind of cover it's like this is fine it's not like i dislike it yeah but you know i just i really like the bass sound of that and it's not like they perfectly replicated i mean how could you uh you know so like so it was you know i i would rather have just listened to the recording
1: well you know i'm obviously on twitter a little bit so i do see a few things mm-hmm. and the big thing about britney night a couple weeks ago was that it was all cover songs you know you couldn't use any of her recordings i'm assuming that's a money issue or a rights issue and, and a lot of people they just were like bothered playing that. it live right well that's true they have an orchestra and that's yeah. part of the bit yeah but a lot of the people who are britney fans were like that doesn't sound like my song <laughs> so yeah. yeah
2: what do you do um, but so Guy responds uh, to the guy looking for information. From what I've been able to find, the bass players listed on the Grease soundtrack are Mike Picaro, William David Hungate, Max Bennett, David Allen Ryan, William J. Bodine, Dean Cortez, and Harold Coward. Haven't been able to find exactly which one laid down the line. I really only know the two Toto players on the list. You know Toto? Yeah, I do. Of course uh William hung, or we can. I think he gets to it here. And if I were to guess which of the two played it, uh, I would say it was Porcaro, though that is simply a guess. It just doesn't sound like a Hungate line to me, which probably means it's Hungate. Little joke, wow. you know, just self-deprecating humor. Yeah. Um, someone says, "Isn't that song something?" And they're keeping on talking about it. Someone said he read somewhere it was Hungate um he says i would buy that it's hung gate. i'm just trying to find the uh the real the real killer one here Um, well that's
1: amazing that you've gone to all that work from a song that was on dancing with the stars (laughs) here here it is
2: uh one of the all-time forum posts it was max bennett that played bass on you're the one that i want on the Grease soundtrack max comes from a spring uh so the several people had already been like it's Hungate and then this guy's coming in like listen you fucking idiots it's Max <laughs> Bennett uh, Max comes from a string bass background Ella Fitzgerald etc and his approach to this song I feel reflects this it would have been his Fender 62P bass with LaBella flat wound strings which was his setup in the 70s Max also used an acoustic rig at the time I don't know if Max played using a plectrum or his fingers but I do know that playing live or recording through an acoustic rig does allow settings which, with lots of attack which may explain the appearance of using the uh plectrum max demonstrates the attack abilities of acoustic ammo, blah, blah, blah 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 this guy's really going oh, wow about there's it. some intense talk um, there i've had a bit of contact with max over the years so if anyone really wants the truth behind how the recording was played let me know and i shall see if max remembers it well and is willing to share some information thanks tom so tom's just <sighs> deening us with his presence Uh, you know the uh, the big time max guy directly disagreeing with uh these like ten people who said that it's William Hungate. Um, that goes on like this. Uh, some people are talking about the mix, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, I I don't have enough time in my life to engage in that kind of stuff. So I'm glad I'm not into (laughs) it. It's people with a lot of time that is true. And I don't think I would feel comfortable getting into debates back and forth. Now, don't get me wrong. I've actually asked people to email me when they hear they don't like my opinion on this show. But I want to just get into a spirited debate about something we like. I don't want to say, you know, you idiot, you're wrong or anything like that. I'd just be like, well, we just disagree on this. You know, I've got a top 10 list tonight that I think is going to... Drive some people crazy. It's the best female dancers in the history of the show, and I'm having to <laughs> That's leave off. going to drive people crazy. Well, if there's any real fans of Dancing with yeah, Stars yeah, yeah. out there, um, I'm going to have to leave some people off because there have been the supremely great, talented dancers, great female dancers in the history of yeah. the show. I'm going to have to leave some off, and I'm putting others on that I have a personal whatever for, affection for, mm-hmm. or I like their partners. List. Yeah, and so it's my list. But uh, I would love to hear from people and get into that. And and most of the time, I would say you're exactly right. I loved Katherine Jenkins. I I just can't put her on my top 10 but i she's always been on my top 10 but then we just had so many more great women show up here in the last few years that she fell off
2: yeah so uh so the max bennett guy comes in telling everyone how smart he is and well max is a personal friend so i can have this one of the members of the forum wrote to william fucking hungate he wrote back sam my wife passed along your message You're the one that I want was a 62 Precision with roto sounds and a pick. I was probably using my Versatone amp as well as a direct box. I'm flattered to be referred... He goes into the whole thing. All the best. David Hungate is William David Hungate. I guess he goes by David. Uh, oh boy! That's the, the, over my the head. The Max guy just coming like, a, well, you know, Max is a personal friend. They wrote someone on the forum got the guy, the actual guy, and then brought it. I I just thought it was an amazing moment in forum history. Yeah, it's very rare that these people would be squabbling with between each other about these things, and the person they're arguing about steps in and is like uh yeah if you want to know about the session i was there playing it so
1: everybody knows somebody and yeah you bring in the ultimate authority by the way since so many people will tune in to hear you you there's probably listeners out there that know other people if anybody knows how to get a hold of michael irvin or jerry rice let <laughs> you, me know you have
2: a big question for him, i right? have
1: a question for only those two guys will can you not answer tell it. me the question I eh, no, I'm going to keep the intrigue, so maybe somebody will actually go get him. Because if they hear the question— Because I heard it last week that you, were, you, you had yeah. what was close to a chance. I uh, was so close with the Musers. Well, I thought I was close with the Musers. They had Michael Irvin on. And, you know, they have him on to talk about school closings. I'm like, why <laughs> wouldn't they let me ask <laughs> that question? I don't think that's actually him. That's George. Well, I know, but I know, they kidding. tease him about I'm it. i yeah. he And he he even did it on, like, NFL Today or whatever the show they do on you know the NFL Network. They actually said, Michael, it's time to officially close the NFL season, and he did it. Yeah, the yeah season yeah. is closed. So um, I just got to ask Michael and Jerry Rice, and or Jerry Rice, a question. And by the way, these guys may need it. There's a financial incentive involved.
2: Oh, are you going to donate to uh, Michael's charity? I
1: know that you were no, offering. No, I, I want to buy charity. something from him,
2: and or Jerry. You want to buy something from Michael, and or Jerry. is that
1: what the question is?
2: Or is y- that yeah? But it's Dancing okay. with
1: the Stars related, and only they know if they have it or...
2: Well, surely someone in the audience... I mean, yeah, you know, Michael Irvin, I think lives
1: locally, probably splits his time in Miami. So anybody listening because He's of He's in TC, Dallas often enough. Email me, dwtsp1 at Yahoo. Tell me how I can get a hold of those guys because no one at the ticket will help me.
2: Then <laughs> um, I had... I, you know, I could just go on talking about We need to wrap forever. this up because I'm going to fall asleep
1: and I got my regular show to I do I know, that. I know. But uh,
2: <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of research into this. I'm super uh, impressed. Next thing. We'll just... We, I couldn't leave Greece. Whenever I think about Greece, the number one thing that I think about just this, uh, you know, like uh, it's and I, I love that Jake has been able to uh to get this branding out there and just I feel like he's carrying the general idea to a wider audience than I could have ever imagined. So I, it's not competitive for me at all. But the the uh Kempspin thing I feel like is a joint thing. Like it's just you know our 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 shared view of life is uh you know being interested in these uh dark corners that people don't want you to look at okay so when you mention Greece all I think about is John Travolta's sex scandals oh do you do you have a stance on uh John Travolta
1: I thought you were going to Scientology scandals
2: well I mean this you know he's definitely a Scientologist he says that that's not a scandal well, the church itself, or whatever
1: the churches. There's sure, a whole thing sure, about sure. that. You know, Leah Remini was on the show Dancing with the Stars, and you know her story. She left the church, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. and yeah, it that like whole them. season, death threats. They seem and, bad. Oh, it was awful. And I'm like, I don't even care what you guys do, but you don't make death threats about somebody that doesn't believe the way you did, or they once did, and then they leave. I don't. I don't get that.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I don't either. I, I don't so know,
1: obviously, no. if he was involved in any of that, I would say bad John Travolta.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it it, 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 well, the, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess you probably got to wrap up quickly. My, my kid wants yes. me, I think, but,
1: um, <laughs> she wants her dad. Uh,
2: just it, I don't know. We talked about it on It's Just Banter some, so I guess if you're interested, we could go there. You, you could listen to that. Maybe but we just, need to
1: do this again sometime <laughs> and just, just have a talk about John Travolta. Away from this, because, this is this is longer than my podcast, I think, that we've been doing. <laughs>
2: um, but just, yeah, uh, it, it sounded like it was a cyclical thing. That was the allegation made by the masseuse that he that said that uh, that John Travolta assaulted him. There was three masseuses, um, and and one of them was like uh, saying that that he was like, well, this is how I started in my career, and you know, so it's just. You always wonder about what's going on in Hollywood, but anyway, sure. It's it's been a pleasure talking with you. I'm you too. I guess we'll kid just leave it there, huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know what? I got uh, go to get back to Dancing with the Stars. I got to get back to my top ten list. All right. Thanks, I look TC. Forward to hearing it. Thank you, Tony. Bye. Okay. Well, that was a lot of fun, and of course, another big thank you to TC for doing that. Let's get back to our regular schedule here, and we're going to look at a top ten list now. Last week, we did a top 10 list of the greatest male dancers in the history of the show, so I thought, why don't we do a list of the greatest female dancers in the history of the show? Now, if you guys are listening along out there and playing along, I'm sure my list is going to rile a lot of feathers because there have been so many great female dancers that have been on this show. Um... You know, I even hesitate to mention them, but I'm going to mention a few that could have easily made my list. And that at one time or another, they were all on the list, but we kept getting better dancers. Or at least I thought they were better. And I agonized over this. But uh, my apologies to someone like Katherine Jenkins, Maya Harrison, Paige Van Zandt, Lindsay Sterling, Mel Beast, Daisy Keebler, Jennifer Gray. Oh my gosh, so the list goes on and on and on. And I know I've forgotten people, but. Uh, uh, bear with me. this is just my personal opinion list, of course, and it's going to be different than yours. So we just oh. What's that? Oh my gosh, that must be the opinion opinion siren. It's changed, hasn't it? It's not quite as irritating as the other one, but it's still pretty bad. So yes, these are my opinions, so uh, just keep that in mind. So the top 10 female dancers. Now, these, these gals are all going to be great. Like I said, we have more good female dancers in the history of the show. Than male dancers. They're all complete dancers. They can do it all. Any any type of dance. Add characters to the, you know, the character of the dance, depending you know, on if it's Halloween night or Greece night or whatever night it is, they can play the character too. Uh, a lot of these gals had favorite dances of mine that we'll get to somewhere down the road probably. So that helps to get on the list. And one thing that I saw about this list that I thought was really unique, um, and it was the opposite again with the men list. If you remember last week, I mentioned that of the top 10 men on my list, seven of them were not champions. And really it was eight until I added Rashad Jennings at the last minute and he became a champion on the list. But most of the men on the list were not champions of their season. So then I come to the women's list here of my list and almost all of the people on the women's list were champions of the show. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Eight of the 10 were champions of their respective seasons. And only one of them couldn't be because she was second place to the champion that made the top 10. So I'm like, there's got to be something to that. How could it be so much one way and one way or the other? And, you know, I, I thought about it a little bit and I don't really know if I have a good answer or not, but I think women in general on this show have to work harder and perform better than men to get success. And I know that kind of mirrors regular life. We hear about it all the time that women you know, get paid what, 75% of what men do for the same job. And women have to work harder and produce more to get the same accolades that a man would do in the job. And unfortunately that stuff still goes on. And we've talked about this too, a lot about how the women vote on this show. It's mainly women that vote and it's mainly, uh, women who vote for other men. (laughs) They don't vote or they don't vote for other women. They vote for men. And the show's, history is littered. And we did this too. the top 10 men of being overrated or the top 10 list of being overrated is almost all men. And the top 10 list of people who were wronged or unrated are almost all women. So the women have a tough go on this show. But to get on my list, you almost had to be a champion, it looks like. So Let's get started. The Honorable Mention, I'm going to give a couple in addition to the ones I mentioned earlier because there were special circumstances with these gals. Uh, One was Heather Morris, season 24. We've talked about her. She basically is and was a professional dancer, and there was a big brouhaha about whether she should be on the show or not. You can't blame her. You know, they paid her a ton of money to come on the show. I would go too, but she didn't last very long because the voting public wouldn't allow it. So if you just... You know, put this top ten together on dancing ability. She would be on it, of course, but I didn't put her on it for that kind of reason we just talked about. And then Sabrina Bryan, the most wrong person in the history of the show. She was number one on my list of the most wronged people in the history of the show. The problem I couldn't put her on here. I wanted to was because she was voted off so early in both of her seasons. We don't know for sure how good he, she was going to be. You know, she was voted off. In season five and then came back and did the all-star edition and was voted off there and we talked about this last week i think or whenever we talked about it uh, she was voted off after scoring a perfect score in the all-star edition and having the highest cumulative average in the all-star edition that's that's wrong but we didn't get to see her dance a freestyle we didn't get to see her late in the season so i couldn't put her on the list so heather Morris, sabrina Bryan, my two honorable mentions Number 10 for me, Christy Yamaguchi, and I love Christy Yamaguchi. She was my number one for a while because she'd been on so long ago, season six. Um, I think the years have not been kind to not her, but the dancing technique that she had because I think so many other women have come along and been a little bit better technique-wise. Having said that, Christy has the second highest per dance average in the history of the show at 28.3. Only one person beat it and who is on this list, of course. And the judges loved her, and she was great, and I loved her, so she had to be on my list. I have Christy Yamaguchi at number 10, and I have a little audio here because I did like her so much, and I just wanted you to hear the judges talk about Christy a little bit.
4: Hell yeah! That was fantastic! That's the best dance for you. I think that was my favorite dance performed this season so far. Wow, Had so much energy, perfectly suited for you, great difficulty, great choreography, lots of fun.
0: Well, you know, it was like a buffet. It was like being in a was it now? yes, a tasty morsel here, okay. a delicious move over there, some clever choreography, yum yum. And I tell you what, it was absolutely great. It was the smorgasbord of dance. I loved it. This really was top-notch, high-definition entertainment.
3: You came out here, you nailed it technically. You performed the best you've ever had. I agree with Terry my favorite right. dance
0: up to date. Congratulations.
1: All right, Christy Yamaguchi. It's fun to hear Len there, too, get a little fun with, it, with his buffet. <laughs> um, uh, going back to season six again, Christy didn't have a lot of competition. Jason Taylor was second. He was really good, but he was a football player, and you know he wasn't even uh, a top three or four football player. Although well, that's interesting, too. I haven't done my top ten of football players. I need to do that. Because he was really good. I need, may need to go back and revisit him. But that was part of the reason why Christy had such great scores, I think, is because everybody else wasn't that great that season. But I'm not trying to, to downplay Christy. Uh, that's why she's on my list, because I loved her, and I thought she was a really good dancer. Christy Amaguchi, number 10. Um, I got number 8 and 9 kind of lumped together, and this probably will drive some people crazy. Number 8, Kelly Pickler. Number 9, Zendaya Coleman. The reason they're lumped together, you probably know, they were in the same season, season 16 together. Uh, Zendaya is just just a doll, you know, a Disney kid, 16 years old. She could do it all. She had a ton of dance training and a ton of dance experience. I had been a Disney kid for a long time. And, you know, for me, I'm kind of a traditionalist too. I have a little extra soft spot for people with no dance training. And supposedly Kelly Pickler had no dance training. She was asked right there on the show by uh, Carrie Ann. I remember it well. And she said, no, man, I've not had any dance training. And if she hasn't, that's unbelievable. Because go back and look at some of Kelly Pickler's dances. Just incredible. They were neck and neck the whole season. I believe they tied exactly on the judges' scorecard. If not, it was super close. And, you know, to me, it was a pick em. You could go either way, and I would have had no problem with either. I lean toward Kelly. That's why she's number eight and is number nine, because I like the person that if I think they're basically the same, uh, obviously, they were very different people and they were di- very different dance abilities and styles, but they were both great in their own way. Um, I tend to lean with the person that uh, um, has no dance experience. And you know, another good example, season 23. I know we're off the topic here just for a second, but uh, James Hinchcliffe finished second to Lori Hernandez. Lori Hernandez was fantastic, but she's an Olympic gymnast, all kinds of training and dance there. And James Hinchcliffe, a, a race car driver, had no dance experience and one of the greatest males on the show, I think, without dance experience. So I usually lean that way. That's why Kelly is number eight and Zendaya is number nine. I have to play this audio about Kelly Bell. This was her trio dance with Derek, her partner, and Tristan McManus. And I just have to play this because I love this dance. Carrie Ann and Bruno loved it. And Len just tore it apart. You got to listen to Len's reaction on this one. Bruno,
3: theatre. He had high art and high drama, a journey into the darkness from angel to demo. I could feel the blood pumping into me. I wanted to be part of it. So engrossing, so entertaining. Absolutely amazing. All right. Carry on. I lost my ring. Don't
4: kill yourself. Fantastic. No, that was it. Were you so in it? Did Thank you feel me. like yes, you were in, in, in it? You were in it. You were in it to win it. Oh, my God. So proud of you. So proud of you. <laughs> What is Bruno doing? Uh, uh, Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Everything I do, Bruno has to do. I, I don't understand
0: it. All right, Lan. <laughs> I was, I was, ex- oh, for God. Sorry. I was expecting more than flashing lights and crashing music. It was a hodgepodge of moves just out there to titillate the taste buds. I'm telling you, where's the chassis capes? Where's the twist what? turns? Where's the recognizable <laughs> of I can't believe it. This guy is so talented. I don't want to see flashing lights, crashing music. I want You can't talk unless you stand up. Don't just stand up your ass. Oh. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. oh my, my so much goodness.
3: goodness. Okay, kids. Yeah. Why don't you yeah. Why not you go up there where it's safer and everybody's on their meds and. Uh, <laughs>
1: Uh, great Tom, of course, with his great uh, little quip there. And Landon was off his medicine that night or something. He really headed in for that dance. And there was definitely some pasta Doble content in there. Uh, I just wanted to play that because that's part of the greatness of this show. The judges and Tom and, and uh, you know, it's different these days, but let's not go there. <laughs> so uh, Kelly Pickler, number eight, uh, Zendaya Coleman, number nine. Uh, let's lump six and seven together, too. Two Olympic gymnasts, Sean Johnson Number six, Lori Hernandez, number seven. Uh, they were both fantastic. Sean Johnson, a season eight champ. Lori Hernandez, season 23 champ. You know, the uh, gymnasts are always good on this show. The problem they have or potentially could have is with the emotional emoting, as we've talked about with Suni Lee this year. Uh, Lori and Sean got through that and overcame it and became all-time champions. Uh Nastia Lewinken and Allie Raisman and Simone Biles couldn't break through that. And I specifically remember, you know, a lot of Nastia's packages back in season twenty were were kind of negative. And I'm like, give this girl a break, you know, she's not an effervescent, outgoing person. She was a great dancer. But you have to do that on this show. And Sean and Lori were able to do that as gymnasts. And I hope Suni can continue to get better and do it this year. I don't think she's going to measure up to Sean and Lori. Uh, they are at six and seven on my list. Number five, a very, very personal favorite of mine. This is Bindy Irwin, uh, season 21 champion. Again, I don't think Bindy's had any massive dance experience. And I loved her dad. You know, you guys that know me a little bit, you know I've always been an animal person. And he was one of my heroes, and I guess I'll pull back the curtain even a little more here. I've only cried outside of family. I've only cried two times for like celebrity funerals or deaths, and he was one of them, Steve Irwin. Uh, I'm not going to get emotional here. (laughs) He was a warrior for animals, and they needed so much help, and they need help, and they're always going to need help. And some people may have questioned his techniques, and maybe he went too far, but it was always in the interest of the animals and they spent so much, his whole life and time and money on it. So Bindi grew up and is doing the same thing. So I naturally fell in love with her too. Plus she's just cute as a button <laughs> and she can do everything like, like all these dancers on this list, everything Derek threw at her. Derek was her partner she could do. And she responded and she was a great worthy champion. Uh, a lot of people may quibble that she's that high up on my list, but I thought she was so versatile and she played the character range perfectly, in addition to the technique that was perfect. I loved watching her every week, and I looked forward to it. I've got a little audio clip here. This is her Argentine Tango uh, results with Derek. And Derek was on her all week about trying to be scary. And it's hard to get Bindy to be scary. She's such a cutie. But uh, boy, this was a great dance. If you haven't seen her in a long time, the Argentine Tango of uh, Derek and Bindy from season 21, go back and look at it. And uh, let's see what the judges had to say about it.
4: Stay scary, very (laughs) nice. All hail the Queen of (laughs) Darkness. I never in a million years thought that Halloween night would be the night that you shone your brightest. That was exquisitely danced with passion and a whole bunch of are. Okay, so purely on like content and technique and all that stuff, you guys are like on a whole other level together and then you add this performance that i've never seen from you you had this like (laughs) (laughs) like this thing that just was like unleashed it was like it was so intense that bruno's still uh, like convulsive honestly that was i I agree wholeheartedly with carrie and i can't believe halloween was the night but that was something so strong and (laughs) deep-rooted
0: it was so Bruno, make it unanimous.
3: Apart from the fact that that was an Argentine yeah. tango yes. masterclass. Yes. That's how it's done. It was spellbinding dance magic.
1: So there you go. They loved it. And uh, both Derek and her had the vampire fangs on, and it was just an awesome character-driven dance. So Benny, you're my number five. Uh, Number four, this may surprise some people, too. uh, I do hear about her as a great dancer, but I don't hear a lot of pub as a top 10 dancer of all time. I've got Rumor Willis here. And again, this is a very personal choice. Rumor, to me, all of her dances were very sexy to me. And her relationship with Val, I think they might have been an item for a little bit off screen, too. I'm not sure about that. There's always rumors on the show. But... uh, I have a top 10 list coming up of my top 10 sexiest dances in the history of the show. And I swear Rumor and Val could have been on four of those top ten slots, but I limited it to one, which we'll get to and down the down the road here. But that was part of my appeal to her. And again, a lot of it's acting. She could, she could act the character of the dance. The technique is just beyond repose. She was just good in technique like all these gals are, but she had that flair for the acting and making everything. I guess just sexy. So Rumor Willis, uh, the season 20 champ, uh, my number four woman of all time. Number three, a gal named Normani Corday. She was in season 24 and it's a crime she finished in third place. Uh, Normani is that good of a dancer, I think, that I have her all the way up at three. Um... Rashad Jennings won that season. I have no problem with that. He was a worthy champion. Again, there was three or four people that could have won that season. And on dancing ability and who they, how they get along with their partners, I would have said that's fine. But what worried me about season uh, 24, and we'll get to that when we break down that season, was the second-place finisher, David Ross, a baseball player. And, of course, there's no comparison between Normani and David Ross. But he had a huge fan base. And when the three of them were in the final, hell, I thought I was worried David was going to win the whole thing. And I was especially worried when they announced that Normani finished in third place. I'm like, oh, please have David be third. Nothing against David; he's just not a great dancer. I said, make it Normani and Val, or not Val, Normanni and uh, Rashad in the final two. And I don't care who. I mean, I had a favorite, but I don't really care because they both will represent them show the show as a valid champion. And when she went out in third place, I thought, oh, no, please not, David. Thankfully, Rashad won. That's a little off the side. But Normani, again, could do everything. And she was so good, too, that I wanted to give her a little love with the judges. And here that is.
0: Great start. All right, Julianne, what you think? Okay, so first of all,
4: you guys did a blend of an Argentine tango and a foxtrot, and it was seamless. I always have such a love-hate relationship for the 24-hour dance because you do such a great dance and then you have like 24 hours to do it. But it looked like you've been practicing that for two months. It was flawless, absolutely gorgeous. And I have to tell you one last thing. The transformation of who you've become as a woman, like that you said in your package that we've all seen, is absolutely stunning and absolutely beautiful. You are, you are stunning.
3: All right, Bruno. And- ah, <laughs> you are a magnificent creature. She attacked that tango like her tigress. Then she flies through the foxtrot with effortless ease them back for the kill at the end, just in case you didn't get it the first it time around. Better when you did it. I mean, yeah. power, yeah. beauty, the versatility, a leading lady. That's a really, yeah. that's uh-huh. what you are. There you go, Carrie
4: Ann. Such a great display of everything that you are, passionate, powerful, great technique, everything. But you've made such a challenging and intense journey look like you were born to do it. And in my opinion, you were born to win this
2: competition. Wow,
1: uh, a, lot of, a lot of high praise there, and she was that incredible. Uh, they're talking about a fusion dance, which they did from time to time. I don't know if they, how many seasons they did it. I think they did it more than one season, where they would have two uh, types of dance in the same song, I guess you would say. And, you know, music would be playing. And I think what they say here, I don't even remember now what it was, but you would have a foxtrot, let's say, and then a tango within the same dance. And it was really interesting if you had a ballroom and a Latin because then they had to make the transition between that. Again, this gal could have handled anything. Normani Corday, my number three female of all time. Number two, and I never thought this woman would be replaced. I kind of was this way with the men last week. Remember, I had Corbin Blue number two on the all-time list. And when I saw him, I said, he'll never be replaced. Well, Jordan Fisher replaced him in my, in my mind. And then same thing with Nicole Scherzinger. She was season 10 champ way back. And there's been a lot of seasons since then. And there's only one woman I thought that bested her. So, you know, I like Nicole a lot. Number seven, uh, she dominated her seat. I'm sorry, number two, Nicole. Uh, She dominated her season, season 10. There was really only one really good dancer other than her there, and that was Evan Lysacek, who just missed my top 10 males of all time. And she beat him by over a point on the judges' scorecard. That's high. That's a a big margin on the judges' scorecard. Uh, That just shows kind of the the dominance she had that season. So Nicole Scherzinger, my number uh, two female dancer of all time. Okay, number one. And I really don't have a problem with this. I don't think anybody could ever talk me out of it, just like with Jordan Fisher as the top male. Uh, I think when I saw her and her relationship with her partner, and this shouldn't be a surprise, she tops most people's lists, I think. Um, So let's find out who number one is on the top 10 female dancers list of all time. It is Meryl Davis, the season 18 champion, and like I said, I've seen her top many a list when it comes to who was the greatest dancer, at least greatest female dancer for sure in the history of the show, so I, I don't think anybody could ever talk me out of it, not that that's the point of this list anyways, but I'm very confident in my choice of her as the greatest female dancer of all time, and partly because she tamed the beast, You guys that know the show know who her partner was. It was the bad boy of the ballroom, one Max Chemkowski. And, you know, uh, I got into this with TC a little bit. Uh, The Eastern European pros, including the Russians and all those Eastern European countries, to me, they're very strict with their teaching. They don't like to be questioned. Uh, It's my way or the highway. And that doesn't work with all these celebrities. It works with some of them. And it works with people like a Merrill Davis who could hold her own. She could dance anything, any way, uh, any character, any technique. And Max loved that because he knows that's the best partner he ever had. And like I told you, the, t- the teaching technique with Max rubs people the wrong way. I got a huge list of people of he's had problem with. And I'm not going to list them all. Uh, it, like I said, his teaching technique is his way or the highway, and Merrill could handle it. And Merrill tamed him a little bit. You know, Max is always kind of a gruff guy and he's volatile. And he got volatile a couple times in some of the packages we saw that season. But if anybody could tame the beast, it was Merrill. And there, of course, was all kinds of rumors about them as an item or a couple, uh, never substantiated or proven, I guess. But uh, uh, they were fun to watch. And, you know, they were. They were good-looking in everything they did. So the couple aspect of that might have played into it a little bit, although I think I would have had Meryl first, no matter who she was partnered with. And let's just listen to the judges talk about Meryl and Max.
0: I think you should like this. Yeah.
1: That was full of attack,
0: it was full of purpose. Meryl, Max dances full of... On it doesn't matter who his partner is, You're the first celebrity that has been able to match him and keep up with him. Max, what did me when you went into a feather step in the slow <laughs> foxtrot? That I'm a cranky old geezer, and I've got to say that was the bit that said this is special. <laughs> the woman in
3: black stirring in a Chilling, totally gripping film noir over tango. But what Lenny is absolutely right. What was so incredible is it was like a face-off between two killers, but you never knew who was going to be on top. <laughs> equally matched, equally pushed. The choreography was incredible. The tension in the room—you could have, you could taste it incredible. Carrie-Anne, I was
0: watching you. Your jaw was open for I most just, like, of it. Uh, yeah. Back
4: up. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, speechless. <laughs> Sometimes. No. Meryl, I mean, I just have to say something. Okay, from my heart... There's something so magical happening between you two. I mean, this is dance, but it's also about life. And I have to say that what you're bringing out in Max and Max, what you are unfolding in Merrill is something that is mind-boggling, and it is truly artistic excellence. Your technique is beyond anything I've ever seen. I watch you, and you look like one of our pros. I was like, is that Sharna? What's going on out there? I mean, you have that incredible ability, the partnership, the chemistry. Max, your best choreography ever.
1: All right. There you go. I had to let you listen to that because those judges, they know how to encapsulate the right wording and the technique of the dance, not to mention the character and the relationship between the two of them. They all said it very well. And, uh, you know, I echo all that stuff. I couldn't have come up with all those glowing terms, but, uh, they said it well. So Meryl Davis, my top 10 female dancer of all time. Now, one other quick thing I want to mention here. Um, we talk about partners, uh, Partnerships and one of the things max always kind of griped about now max was uh, he was in 17 seasons And this was was his only championship and he would complain sometime about other people getting better partners And there's no doubt some of the dancers got really good partners more often than other people And unfortunately some of the the males and female pros would get bad partners You know older people or just people that couldn't dance no dance experience more often than others and uh, everybody gets on Derek. Uh, for winning six Mirrorball trophies, well, he always got the best partners. But there's no doubt Derek had a lot of good partners for sure. But Val had a lot of good partners. Max's brother and still still does. Uh, Mark Ballas had a ton of good partners and only got two Mirrorball trophies. Val's only got two Mirrorball trophies. But I looked at this list and this shocked me. Of all the women on my list, I didn't pay too much attention to their partners. Of of the top ten. Nine of them were with three guys, Derek, Val, and Mark. Just like I told you, they get a lot of good partners. Mark had two of the top nine, or yeah, well, the second nine. Uh, Derek had three, and Val had four. So there's a lot of people that got good dancers. And yes, Max had his share of good dancers. Yes, he had some that weren't so good. But there's more to winning this competition than just being or getting a good partner. No doubt that's a big part of it but you have to be a good pro and a good teaching pro, and like I said, Merrill handled Max very well, his teaching uh, style, and uh, that's a big part of what made her number one top female dancer of all time. All right, well, there's a fun top 10 list. I hope you guys liked it. But this time, we always do a little ticket audio um, for you ticket listeners out there. Hopefully, these, this puts a smile on your face, especially some of the old audio that we play here of long ago sometimes people are no longer at the station that you hear and uh it's just a chance to hear the guys kind of gig me a little bit with my dancing with the stars fascination the last two weeks we focused on the gentle musers the morning drive show Uh, both one week positive audio and one week negative audio as we talked about they've abandoned the bit but the, the hard line um, is the afternoon drive. And they were kind of the beginners or the originators of all this, along with the bad radio to a certain extent. And thankfully, The Hang Zone has kept it alive. And uh, thank you to Big Dan McDowell and, and Jake for doing that, as I have a call-in show with them. By the way, I don't know if I touted that enough on this podcast, The Hang Zone, every Tuesday on the hard, uh, on the, uh, the ticket at 12.20 p.m. I have my Dancing with the Stars Minute. I do a call-in from... Uh, and talk about last night's show, and so check that out if you want to. Uh, but yeah, the the, uh, the ticket guys have just been fantastic, and I wanted to play a little audio here. It's always a lot of fun, I think, especially if you know the station. This one here, and these are all quick. Uh, this one here was when most of these are either going to be uh, the e-news segment when they talked about entertainment news, and a lot of entertainment people obviously been on the show in the concert calendar. Which was a Friday afternoon staple, late afternoon staple, because so many acts come through Dallas-Fort Worth, and a lot of the acts happen to be on Dancing with the Stars. So I felt okay to talk about it during that time. Um, I don't talk much on air any other time, but the hard line was always okay with it. And if they weren't, I wouldn't have kept it up. But here's one where they were talking about Billy D. Williams, and of course, I had to chime in. That's, a, about, that's a TV dinner. Not isn't the it? TV dinner. No. He is a bad dancer, though. Oh. How do you know? Because he was on Dancing with the Stars. Billy Dee Williams the stars. was. Dancing with, right. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Oh. He oh there he goes. He goes. The <laughs> Tony ran away. Oh, no, there there goes. With <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> 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 Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars.
3: It's the Dancing with the Stars Tone.
1: Yeah, it's just every, you know, I just get a smile on my face every time I listen to that silly stuff. You got to remember, this is a, I don't know what we are, top five radio market in the country. And these guys are doing this silly stuff with me. Incredible. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, Tony Braxton. Uh, I think she's is the concert calendar. She was coming to town. And I think I got quizzed on this one. And that's always fun. Uh, Ty was probably checking my work. I don't know if he was doing it then. He checked for quite a while and then he quit checking. But let's see what this one is.
3: I don't think he still lives there.
1: Saturday at the Windstar, Tony Braxton. Did you guys know she was on Dancing with the Stars? Oh, no,
3: well, no, I had no idea. Dancing with the
1: Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. She's a <laughs> <Dance laughs> uh, seven. And what uh, place? Uh, she finished right after Chloris Leachman, who was the oldest contestant at seven. So she would have been eighth place.
3: Wow. Oh. See what we learned today? Wow. Not, not, not much. <laughs> not only was Tony Braxton on Dancing with the Stars,
1: she finished right after Chloris Leachman, who was the oldest contestant ever on Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Yes. There you go. Yeah, a lot of fun facts, a lot of information everybody's learning. So <laughs> um, the next one, let's see. This was E! News segment, I think. They were talking about Hope Solo. I don't know, remember why, if she posed for something or whatever, but of course Hope was on Dancing with the Stars and I had to let him know.
2: Mike, those are the
1: ones. She doesn't have like this array of nudes. Okay, well then those I've seen. Did you know Andy she was on Stars. Dancing with the Stars? Oh! Dancing with the Stars. 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 She was season 13, huh? How'd she finish? Uh, She was in fourth place that year, and boy, was she a bad egg (laughs) on that show. Of course she was. She was trouble? Yeah, just her attitude and everything would be the Hall of Fame for, like, that attitude. She'd be in it. Tony doesn't like that. He likes his dancers to be serious. And get that's along right. with everybody. And, that's right. Just
0: contribute to the greater good of a good show. You know, it's so great that you decided <laughs> in 2017 to come out of the closet, too. I love this about you, Tony. I
1: don't think I've done that. Well,
0: i uh, love oh look. You, you probably should. Everyone loves it. It's a different day and age.
1: Yeah. We'll accept you're you. are accepted
3: here. Yeah. We love you for who you are.
1: Well, thanks. It's there is only 54 days till the season 24 premiere, though. <laughs> Dancing with the stars. Dancing, Dancing with, the stars. with the stars. Dancing, Dancing, with, the stars. Stars. Dancing with, stars. with the stars. Dancing, Dancing with, stars. with the stars. Dancing, Dancing with, stars. with the stars. Dancing with the stars. Dancing with the stars. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, it's always fun to hear the founder of the station, Mike Reiner, laugh about this silly little thing. Uh, <laughs> can't help crack up myself here on listening to that stuff. Uh, next one, uh, Chris Jericho, the wrestler. He was on Dancing with the Stars. And, um... Uh, I think he, he was also fronts a band and he was coming through town. And so he was on the concert calendar. And I think this is where Ty actually fact checks me to see if I had this right.
3: Of course he was. All right. This. We have
2: a real story. Chris Benoit
1: was leading a band right now. What year and what place? Uh, Chris Jericho was season 12. Huh? Ty, look this up. <sighs> Oh making all of this up, he oh would have no. been in, uh, in near <laughs> seventh place. Seventh place, season twelve. Season twelve, Kirby, Chris Jericho. Is yes, he right. He's
0: correct. Wow! Oh, how does he do this? Oh. Whoa! And we do not set this
3: man up. It is absolutely unbelievable what he's capable of, ladies and gentlemen. Tony Smith.
0: Listen to that! Damn,
3: dude. That's the most impressive thing anybody has at the radio station. I mean, we're all not talented people compared to him. And we're not as gay either. You know that.
2: <laughs> who, came in, who came in eighth place that year, Tony?
1: Ooh, who came in eighth place? What's that? Eighth place that year. Uh, that was a model, Petra Nemkova, I yes, believe. Yes, he is. got it
0: right. God.
1: Oh, my God. This is insane. <laughs> Well, yeah, there you go. Ty was checking me that day. And it was funny. At one point, Danny's like, when I was telling him where he finished, Danny's like, I'm convinced he's making this up every time. <laughs> so thankfully, Ty was there to fact check. And like I said, he did that a few times in the early days, uh, kind of quit doing it after a while. But um, I, I'm very thankful. And I, I think that I've never missed anything like that when they've quizzed me. Now, I've certainly goofed up before. One of them that sticks out in my head was, for some reason, I think it was the Bad Radio Show, they were talking about Silver Spoons, that old TV show. And I believe the lead female on that show was Erin Gray was her name. And we had just finished talking about Dancing with the Stars or something. And then all of a sudden, one of the hosts says, uh, yeah, you know, Erin Gray did really well when she was on Dancing with the Stars. And I'm like, no, he didn't say that. He was He said something like, Uh, oh, Erin Gray's doing really well this season on Dancing with the Stars. And I said, no, no, Erin Gray's not in this season. She was in season 10 and finished in third place. Now, of course, they were awed by that because I knew that. Well, if you guys know the show, you probably, yeah, you were wrong, weren't you? Yeah, I was. It wasn't Erin Gray. It was Erin Andrews. So I knew Erin Andrews finished uh, third in season 10. And I knew Erin Andrews is not Erin Gray. But boy, that's one of those weird things that your brain short circuits or something. And I thought they said Aaron Andrews. And so I said, well, she finished, uh, you know, in, tenth, uh, in season 10 in third place, but they had said Aaron Gray. And then I think I even said Aaron Gray. So that was just a weird sh- short circuit. But as far as them, you know, questioning me where someone finishes in here, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I think I've gotten all those right over the years. And like I said, in the early days, Ty would always fact check me. Uh, let's do one here. This is Jenny Finch. Uh, the softball player, they actually interviewed her, the hardline, on a remote. And as always, the hardline's so kind, they let me come on and ask ask her a question. And this is one where Jenny kind of got something wrong. I mean, maybe not technically, but kind of she did. And I'm always in the awkward position is I don't want to correct them, but I kind of said something and Corby's like, you know, don't question him. But it was kind of fun. So here it is with Jenny Finch.
0: Um, but I didn't, never had it on the dance floor.
1: Okay, so our engineer over here, Tony, uh, who you got a picture with, and who knows what he said to you. Yeah. Uh, what, Tony? What year? What season was she on? Just last season, twenty six. Season twenty six, yep. and okay. she finished where? Uh, sixth place. No. no. Well, maybe. Yeah, Chris Mazur was fifth, and Enrique uh, uh, was seventh. So I think
0: I made it to like the last episode, though, right? That has to count for something.
1: I thought you were eliminated. Uh... Uh-oh. No. Oh, no.
3: Fact check. Fact oh, check. No. no, trust me.
1: You don't want to fact check <laughs> no, this no, guy. I don't, I don't want to say anything. It's scary. Like, <laughs> this okay. is this is his life. Is I don't
3: think I was six. We went out the same night. I, so
1: how do you... Uh... I can run them down if you oh, want. Oh, gosh. Probably not. No. <laughs> do it. Go one through six. Um, Adam. Adam Rippon. Yes. Josh Norman. Tanya Harding. Um, Mariah Nagazu, I think her name is. Yeah, Chris she Mazur, was good. Jenny Finch. Okay, you got me. We were all eliminated the same night. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, technically she's correct. They were all eliminated the same night, but the way we usually rank people is by the judge's score, and she would have been in sixth place. And then she mentioned she made it to the last show, and she really didn't. She was eliminated in the before the final. But anyways, <laughs> kind of funny. We had that issue with a couple other people. Uh, it's always very awkward for me to uh, say that, but uh, anyways, that was Jenny Fitch. And then just one more here. Uh, I was really proud of this one, I guess you would say, because these are two people that finished down the uh, list in their seasons, and those are tough for me. I have to like usually count count them down because I can remember certain people in certain seasons, and I know that other people are related to them in that season. You know, like Michael Irvin's a football player down here, old football player from the Cowboys. And I just know he's seventh place in season nine because I was really interested in watching Michael Irvin. Now, I also know that there's a guy named Louis Vito that finished after him. Louis Vito was an Olympic skateboarder or something, or snowboarder. And I'm like, I never heard of the guy before and I haven't heard of him since. And I'm like, I would never remember that normally. And I remember him because he finished right after Michael Irvin, and it's the same thing about who finished before Michael Irvin. So that's the way I I can kind of remember people that finished in the middle of the pack if they're associated with other people that I certainly remember, like Mark Cuban. You know, Floyd Mayweather was right after Mark Cuban, and you know I know Mark Cuban was eighth in his season, so that makes Floyd Mayweather ninth. I may not know Floyd was ninth, but when I know Mark is eighth, I can deduct that Floyd was ninth because he was right after him. So that's what this was. This was two guys in concert together. This is from the concert calendar, and uh, luckily I got it right. At the House of Blues, Lil Dicky. <laughs> At the Southside Ballroom, Gavin DeGraw and Andy Grammer. Did you guys know that both of them were on Dancing with the Stars? Whoa. Who? Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Who? Dancing with, the stars. Fancy and Andy Fancy with the stars. Who they were? were they? Were they singers? dancing together? No, Gavin was uh, season 14, and Andy was season 21. How'd they finish? Uh, Gavin was ninth place right after Gladys Knight, and Andy was seventh place right after Alexa Pena Vega, I think. Son of a bitch. You know, he blows your president bit out of the water. Well, there you go. I don't know if Ty checked me that night. I cut off the audio there. But uh, again, I remember other people. So uh, Alexa Penavega, I mentioned there, you know, I've always just loved her. She was one of those gals on the show that did it for me for whatever reason. And I mean, not in this dancing, which she was great, but she was a gorgeous woman. So I remember where she finished. And then Andy Grammer, you know, I kind of remember was right after her. So... Uh, Luckily it came out okay. Oh, well, there's just a little ticket audio. Hopefully we'll continue to do that each week and you'll get to hear the guys. And, and uh, some of the times they're much more, uh, you know, kicking me in the groin than they were in these clips. These guys were all very positive, but uh, it's always a blast. Okay, well, uh, let's keep going here. I know it's a long show today because of our guests, but as usual, you can just kind of skip through and listen to what you want and what you don't want to. Um, What we do here usually is we have the look back at the past seasons. You know, we've had so many seasons of Dancing with the Stars, and I don't want to forget the history, and you shouldn't either if you're a big fan of the show. And so we've been looking at uh, three seasons at a time uh, each week on the podcast. So we're up to seasons 16 through 18, and uh, let's take a look at it. You know, we're getting closer and closer to the end now. We're in the second half of the series run here with season 16 to 18. So it was a little while ago. And, you know, I continue to remember like it was yesterday. Ah, yes. Season 16 premiered in March of 2013. And, you know, 16 was one of my, I guess you would say, likable seasons because it was an according to form season. Now I wouldn't want this in every season, but in season 16, there were four good dancers. They all finished in the top four. And there were two exceptional dancers and they finished in the top two. And every once in a while when you have a season where you have, you know, shocking eliminations and people staying longer than they should and other people getting voted off before they should, you get a little tired of that, or I did. I like season 16 because it was, okay, here's the four good dancers. They finished one through four. Two of those four were excellent. They get one and two and that's exactly what happened. So Kelly Pickler was your champion. We talked about her and Zendaya Coleman, the second place finisher in the top 10 women of all time. They're both in my top 10. So that's another reason I love that show. They were so fun to watch and they're both in some of my favorite dances of all time. So again, for the good of the show, I really didn't care who won. Again, I had a little bit of a favorite over one over the other, but I would have been very happy with each one winning. Uh, Third place went to Jacoby Jones, the football player. Fourth place went to Allie Reisman, the Olympic uh, gymnast. And like I said, they were the four that should have been there, and they were. Uh, Maybe Allie should have been third place, the gymnast, over Jacoby. And some people will say Zadea should have been first over Kelly. But again, I don't care. It was the good of the show. We had the two best dancers in the final two and then the next two in the three and four slots. Um, This was really kind of a clash of the titans too because Kelly Pickler's partner was Derek, the undisputed king of the ballroom, and Zendaya's partner was Val, who was on the way to becoming the alpha male among the pro dancers, the male pro dancers. Derek held that title for many years, and he was going to continue to hold it for a while. But Val had come on in season 13, and here we are in season 16 already. And he's challenging Derek for the top spot as a male pro. Uh, So that was kind of fun to see. Um, Let's see. Anything else that would happen? Oh, yeah, just the controversy of those two uh, people at the top two. We just talked about that a little while ago. I I gave Kelly the the edge in the greatest dancers of all time, women dancers, because she didn't have any dance experience, supposedly, compared to Zendaya, who had a ton. So that was one of the reasons people were kind of crazy at the end and didn't like the outcome. Uh, Zendaya was the youngest contestant ever at that time. She was 16 years old. That makes it even more incredible how good she was because as a 16 year old, you wouldn't think they would have the whatever the gravitas or the meat or the life experience to, to dance as well as they did character wise in the dance, but she certainly did. Uh, There were a lot of uh, notables in this season. Changes were afoot. Uh, I think we talked about, there were some changes early on in the last couple seasons before this. And, They were starting to change things. The ratings were sliding a little bit and they were trying to do stuff. This was the last season we had the staircase introduction where the dancers would come down both to side staircases and look very elegant and formal and they would be introduced. I love that and I miss that, but I guess everything has to change. Uh, This was the last season we had a two-night-per-week show. Uh, we always had the Monday show that was Beyond, and then we'd had the Tuesday Elimination Night. Again, just absolutely loved that. More of the show was better for me, especially when it was in its heyday. And they went away from it um, uh, after this. So another thing that was there for the last time. Uh, this was the first time in the show's history they had a four-person finale. Allie Raisman, who finished fourth, was in the final, final show. Up until that time, they had only had three or less people in the actual final show. And I had no problem with that. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Dorothy Hamill became the fourth person in the show's history to have to withdraw during the competition. She either had one or two dances, and then she had some issues with her back, and she had to withdraw. And then Derek Hough became the four-time mirrorball trophy winner with his win with Kelly. And uh, Val was on the way, but he didn't quite dethrone the champ yet. Uh, Let's go to season 17, premiered in September of 2013. 12 couples, I don't know if I mentioned there were 12 couples in season uh, 16 also. Amber Riley was your champion. Uh, Corbin Blue was second. Jack Osborne was third. I really liked season 17 for a lot of reasons. Uh, Number one, it was a very deep season, there were a lot of Uh, good dancers in it. I also kind of hated season 17 because when you have a deep season like that, a lot of good dancers get voted off way too early. We talked about this in The Most Wronged People. Christina Milian, my God, finished in, was it ninth place? Yeah, way too early. I think she should have been a finalist. Elizabeth Berkeley was in this season. She was fantastic. Uh, I think she should have been in the final. But uh, at the same time I say that, I wasn't too upset with the finalists who were there. Amber Riley was great deserve a champion Corbin blue. You know, I love him. He was number two on my all time male list and Jack Osborne was like, or is like the poster boy for what dancing with the stars should be about. So, you know, I had an affinity for that because I want this show to be what it should have been about. And that is you take someone with little, little or no dance experience. You put them through the grinder, you make them work every day. Maybe the person's a little out of shape. Maybe the person's got a little bit of a bad attitude. I think he had both of those in the beginning. Not awful attitude, but just a little bit of like, eh, you know, woman's not going to tell me how to do, how to dance. (laughs) Um, He had a little bit of a medical issue. And then he got better and better and bought into Cheryl's teaching. And by the end of the season... He was a really, really good dancer. Was he better than Christina and Elizabeth? Probably not, but I had no problem with him being there. He was really, really good, and like I said, one of my favorite contestants because of he's the uh, idea of what I think the show should be about. Amber was kind of a surprise winner, I think, to a lot of people, and I'm so glad she won, not only for her, but for her partner Derek. This was Derek back-to-back winning this season, and for a lot of people that say Derek gets all the best partners, I would argue that there were one, two, three—at least three—dancers that were better than Amber. Don't get me wrong; I think Amber was fantastic, and she's a worthy champion. I just think they could have had four different people win that season and be considered a worthy champion. So uh, I'm glad she won with Derek, not only for herself but for Derek, I guess, to give him a little more validity that he didn't always get the best partner necessarily. Um, Let's see. Anything else? Uh, oh, the freestyles. We haven't talked much about freestyles. Uh, we're going to do a top 10 freestyles list before we get done with the season. That was the final dance every season where the uh, the final dance that the, the fans got to vote on. They usually would have one other after that. It was judges only. And in the old days, up until, gosh, I don't even know what season I would say that ended, but it still mattered, I think, back then, uh, where the judges would really... Make a difference. They wouldn't give everybody tens in the freestyle, which they do now. And these three freestyles that these guys had in the finale, they're all in my top 10 of freestyles, letting the cat out of the bag a little bit here when we have our top 10 freestyles. But uh, I would uh, question any other season to come up with three better freestyles than they had. And the changes continued this season. This was the last season for Brooke Burke, the co host of Tom. She uh, was the season seven champ, and then she lasted as a co-host from season 10 through season 17. This was the last season for the Harold Wheeler Orchestra, which was there from day one, and Ray Chu Live came in in the next season. This was the first season for No Results Show. As we said, last season was the last time they had the results show. So the number of episodes decreased incredibly. It went down from 20 20 episodes in season 16 down to 12 episodes in season 17. I did not like that because I loved the results show, and I loved having 20 shows rather than 12, but everything changes, as we said. The judges' table moved to the other side of the ballroom. It was always on the left side of the ballroom. If you're looking at the stage, it went to the right side of the ballroom. That only lasted one season, uh, but that was certainly a different look. Uh, Like I said, it was a deep season. I think it went six or seven deep. And I talked about Elizabeth and Christine being voted off way too early. And one of the reasons was because Bill Engvall made it to number four that season. Bill Engvall, the comedian, guy in his 50s, not a good dancer, but he was a great entertainer. He brought a lot of character and sass to his dances, and the voting public loved him. Again, somebody kind of... Associated with country music, not really country music, kind of the country atmosphere. And another example of older women voting on or voting for men who were not that great at dancers, but they liked them for some reason. And to me, this is when we should have had the first warning siren founded or sounded. You know, I could play my my opinion alert sounder again. Um, he made it to the finals. It was a four-person finale, and I was scared to death he was gonna win. I didn't think he would but I was afraid he would. And that would have been our Armageddon season right then in season 17. Now, looking back, maybe it would have been good for it to happen because maybe then they would have changed the, the uh, judges' save and had that going forward, and that would have saved a lot of heartache for a lot of people down the road. But who knows? But this is where it bothers me with the show is they had, I said it in TC's interview, the goose that laid the golden egg, and they started letting things fall through the cracks. And right there, I noticed it. And I was thinking, okay, guys, you need to institute something that doesn't allow a non-legitimate champion to win. And it happened a couple other times, one with Kirstie Alley in season 12. I was worried she was going to win. I didn't think she deserved it. It was either going to be Heinz Ward or Chelsea Kane. But I would have understood why she won, kind of like with Donnie Osmond, very popular with the voting demographic. Um, And she wasn't an awful dancer. It's just I didn't think she was as good as the other two. But this one really set off the warning alarms in my head. And I'm like, we need to do something about it. And they didn't, of course. Ingval finished fourth. Valerie Harper was in this season. She was 74, uh, one of the older people to be on the show. And Valerie is one of the four people that have passed away since she was on the show, passed away in 2019 at the age of 80. And once again, Derek won with Amber Riley and became a five-time champion of Dancing with the Stars, as well as back-to-back for the second time. Let's go to season 18, and we'll finish this up here. Premiered March of 2014, 12 couples again. We talked about my greatest female dancer of all time. That's Meryl Davis. That's who won this season. Second place went to someone named Amy Purdy. Third place went to Candace Cameron Bure. Uh, you know, we talked about Meryl being the greatest dancer, in my mind, of the female side. She had the, the highest score of any female dancer on the judges' scorecard, a cumulative average of 284 Just amazing, of course. Uh, That's a 10 and a 9 and a 9 on every dance. It's ridiculous. Uh, The second place finisher, Amy Purdy, if you watch the show, you'll remember her. This person by far was the most emotionally draining person on the show for me. I swear to God, I cried every week when she was out there. For those of you that don't know, Amy Purdy is a double double amputee below the knee. And I'm thinking, my God, how can you do a dance show (laughs) an intense dance show on two prosthetic legs. She did it, she was amazing. Amy could have won many other seasons. You just can't win against Meryl Davis, but uh, just an emotional time uh, watching her out there each week. And boy, you know, it made me think, look at what people can do if they set their mind to it. And then other able-bodied people, myself included, is afraid to dance because I'm afraid I'll look stupid. Boy, Amy Purdy. Uh, thumbs up for her. And then uh, the third place finisher, Candace Cameron. Uh, in my opinion, she should have finished sixth that season. Uh, the three people that went after her uh, let's see, it was James Maslow, Charlie White, and Danica McKellar. James and Charlie, no doubt better dancers than her. I thought Danica for sure was a better dancer than her. I thought she f- should have finished six, sixth that season. And uh, one of the reasons I'm convinced she lasted that long was the fan vote again, of course, was the reason because the judges didn't have her. The judges had her sixth place that season. And uh, she would always come on and talk about her religious faith. And we know the fan base of this show is very religious and they support those people that come on and talk religion. She would talk about, I'm not dancing to that song. It's got suggestive lyrics. I'm not wearing that costume because it's too, whatever, revealing And the audience just ate that up. And again, that's something I don't like in this show. I don't want the audience to vote on stuff like that. I want them to vote on danceability. And of course, that's never going to happen. That's why the judges are there. And that's why we needed the judges save. But I don't want to get too deep into that. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it. This was the first of two times. I'm sorry. First. Yeah. First of. I'm sorry. The second of two times where we had an all-female finale. And uh, usually don't have all females much in the finale or all males in the finale. One time it's happened with all males and two times with all females. Some of the other notables, Aaron Andrews, was our first season as the co-host who replaced Brooke Burke. Ray Chu Live was the new orchestra that replaced the Harold Wheeler Orchestra. They moved the judges table back to the left side. That was only a one-year experiment on the right side. Uh, Last year, when they got rid of the judges table to the other or moved the judges table to the other side, they also got rid of the skybox. Well, they brought that back in season 18. That's where they do a lot of the interviews up on the second level. Uh, This was the first season where they did a switch up dance and I kind of liked it. Uh, You switched partners. So if you had your partner the whole season, well, one week, you're going to switch with someone else and have another pro partner. I think that makes the dancers grow. It makes the pros grow a little bit where you get switched up in the middle of the season. It's pretty intense. Um, I liked it. Uh, they've done it off and on since then. Uh, they wouldn't do it this year, of course, because of COVID. But, and then uh, v- Billy D. Williams became the fifth person to have to withdraw because uh, of an injury or something wrong. And he just... Billy D is the third oldest person to ever be on the show, and I—they didn't say it this way, but I think he uh, had to get, leave the show because he was too old. Uh, they used the nebulous—he had a bad back thing. Um, but if you watch Billy D's dances, you know he could not move. So Billy D, the fifth person to withdraw from a season, and then as we talked about, this is Max Chermakovsky' first and only win as a pro. Okay, well it's time for a contest question for those of you that have been listening to the podcast. You know I'm. Trying to give away a trip to go see the show live and in person in Los Angeles next season. All expenses paid for one person. You can bring a guest with you. They can stay overnight with you for free in the hotel, but they got to pay the rest of their way. Um, I've done this five times now. It's been a blast. And I'm also offering a trip on the Hang Zone show. So you can call in there. And it's a little tougher to get through there, but uh, there's actually a call in on the Hang Zone. So if you want to. Uh, Up your odds to get a chance to go to the show next season. I'm giving away two trips this year, one here and one on the hang zone. And all we're doing is I'm asking you a question from the previous week's podcast. So it's an open book test. You can go back and listen and find out. And then uh, you're going to give me all your answers at year end and our season end. And we'll crown a winner to get to go see the show next season. The question. Last week, I mentioned there were two former Dancing with the Stars contestants that I wanted to ask a very specific question to, and they were the only two people that could answer that question. Who were those two contestants that I wanted to ask this specific question to? And that's our question for the week.
3: Turn out the lights, the party's over. (laughs) They say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over, and tomorrow and next year starts the
1: same old thing again. Well, good old Dandy Don uh, telling us it's time to go, and it's been a long day for me. We had the interview with TC, traveled all day today, so it is time to go. We don't have to go home, though. We can just do whatever we want, but we got to get out of here for sure. And uh, I also like to finish it up by playing a song. You guys know this—a song by a former contestant that's been on Dancing with the Stars. Um, you'll play it here in the background a little bit. Someone else is actually doing the talking here—a guy named Busta Rhymes. But I think it's a song you might know. Uh, this is actually Nicole Shearzinger, And her group was called the Pussycat Dolls. So that's what this song is called. The song is called Don't You. And uh, this is the group the Pussycat Dolls. Again, that's the Ryan talking here a lot. So we'll hear uh, Nicole sing a little bit here coming up, so I'll be quiet and you can listen to her a little. I know you, like me. I know you do.
3: I know you do. That's why we're It's easy to see, it's easy to see. And in the back of your mind, I know you should be home with me. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot
4: like me? Don't you wish? Well, your
1: there's Nicole. She's in your singing, and don't you, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? <laughs> Boy, she is hot. There's no doubt about it. We talked about Nicole. She's my number two female dancer of all time on the show. And I must admit, the hotness was part of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm totally convinced she deserved to be number two on Danceability alone. But boy, the look and everything she wore just added to that effect for me. Uh, uh, We talked about her winning by more points, uh, by a point and a half, or I think it was 1.2 points over Evan Lysacek. And so she was a dominant performer that season and deserved it. Um, Let's see. We'll just let that play out here. Uh, I guess it's time to say goodbye and thank everybody. Of course, a big thank you to TC, as always, for allowing me to do this in his studio and, of course, for being our guest tonight. Uh, For all you listeners out there, I know this went really long with the interview and then just not taking anything away from my normal show. So uh, whatever you listen to, I'm very appreciative. And uh, next week on the show it's halloween night on dancing with the stars for some reason they're calling it horror night i guess it's to recognize the horror movies and the villains in the horror movie but uh, it's halloween night to me my favorite night of the year my favorite theme night of the year that they do can't wait to see the costumes and all the fog and the fangs and all that good stuff a couple things to look for i want to look at kenya again is she going to be able to keep up that amazing dance that she had last week And will she get out of the bottom two? Because we know she doesn't have huge fan support. And now that Mel C is gone, who doesn't have huge fan support, she might fall back into the bottom two. And then the other big thing I want to look at is our buddy Cody Rigsby. Uh, He's on probation with me. This is his last week to show me something. He's a good dancer. We know that, but he's better than a good dancer. And the technique issues he's having, he should be able to cinch those up because of his background and Cheryl getting on him now that they're together and don't have the COVID thing anymore. So, Cody, get it in gear, and we'll uh, hopefully see some better scores from him next week. Okay, that'll do it. Again, thank you all for listening. This is Tony the Engineer. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. i
3: probably be just as great. your girlfriend was hot like me oh, don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak like me like me don't, don't you. you don't you baby don't, don't you. you all right same don't
2: you wish your girlfriend was wrong like